2: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
3: Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. dot Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 114. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Reagan. Chris, how goes it today? How goes it? It's a mighty, right.
4: mighty big question. It is,
3: isn't and it? And the answer is the
4: same, mm. <laughs> like every yeah. day prior. Yeah, I wonder if I'm ever going to ask you this question and have a different answer. I yeah, don't know. I mean, well, kind of soon, I would, I would imagine, because
3: I'm planning on I hope so. taking a little bit of a trip home. In the next couple of weeks. Right. You told me that we were chatting a little bit about our personal lives, as we sometimes do the other day. And I'm happy to hear that you're going back to New York for a little while to re-ingratiate yourself with people. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to see my family and my dog. I miss my dog a lot. Oh, yeah, I bet. I totally bet. Yeah, I wouldn't know what I would do without Rush. He was Rush passes out in his crate. He's behind me right now. He passes out like a, like a drunk man. He never it never looks like He's sleeping like a normal dog. Yeah, (laughs) I wish that I wish we could show people a picture of this. It's he's on his back with like his paws up in the air. It's like he just got, you know, smashed at the local pub, they might say in the UK. (laughs) And oh, I think now he's now he's shifting about. Well, this this show isn't about him, so it doesn't really matter. Instead, it's about PlayStation. Ostensibly, it's about PlayStation. We don't really talk about PlayStation for the very beginning of the show typically because that's just the way we do it around here on sacred symbols but we appreciate you tuning in to episode 114 thank you so much for your kindness generosity and support on patreon at patreon.com slash collins last stand where you can get every episode three days early and ad free by supporting us over there in addition to access to sacred symbols plus our weekly supplemental podcast that is only available to patrons last week we did a rousing 90-minute mailbag with the audience, and I thought that was pretty fun. I don't know what we'll do this week. There are a few people that I've been talking to that I want to interview. Oh, I might start doing that this week, but if not next week, there's a, a guy specifically that released, he and his team released a an indie game on PS4, and I wanted to talk to them about their experience doing that and what that's like and how the game's selling. We always like to get that inside information if we can. I exchanged some details with him about how Twinbreaker was doing, and we had a a brief but enlightening conversation, so I think that we'll have a really nice talk. So keep an eye out for all of that. And of course, Chris, I think we eventually have to succumb to the to the mighty force of talking about our favorite PS4 games. Yeah. Rating things, getting our ducks in a row, starting to celebrate the PS5, and it's apparently imminent launch. So
4: (laughs) imminent in quotes, in quotations. Yeah.
3: Imminent in large quotations and smart quotes. I hate smart quotes. What's a smart quotes? Yeah, they're like, uh, it started in Microsoft Word probably in the mid to late 90s. And it was basically, it basically made your quotations and certain things look better, like look more stylish as opposed to just the ASCII model of typing different things. But then that's what breaks in HTML and in other text formats. You know, when you see like, Someone uses an ampersand and then it's like an ampersand and like a a, a semicolon and like an N. Oh, yeah. When, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's all. That's like smart quotes getting all screwed up. So fuck smart quotes. I don't know where that came from. It's just something I've been holding deep inside of me, I guess. <laughs> Chris, I have some exciting news for the audience, although many of you will already know this if you follow us on social media and whatnot. Uh, Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols Adventure, our PS4 and Vita game that we released This past March is officially coming to Nintendo Switch, Xbox One and PC via Steam and other avenues on September 23rd via East Asia Soft, our publisher. It's pretty wild. It's pretty fun. And so we self-published the game on PS4 and Vita. We had East Asia Soft port the game to the other platforms for us because we're hard at work on Habroxia 2 and the JRPG we're working on. So we figured we'd outsource that. And so I know a lot of people especially have been asking for it on Switch. While well, you're going to get it on Switch. You better buy it on Switch, in fact, because I don't want to hear any more oh, it's only on Vita. You put it on Vita, but you didn't put it on Switch. Well, we'll see, because the Vita copy sold extraordinarily well. Yeah. Now, now we're going to see how the Switch version of the game does. And if it does worse... I'm going to randomly ban 10 people from ever (laughs) listening to the show again. Shotgun spread, just random entirely. You know, like when someone talks in a class and everyone's punished for it. Yeah, that's that's the situation we're going to find. Yeah, me too. I didn't like that. No, because it was a way it was it was forcing people to be a rat, basically. Well, it it also it just kind of turned everybody
4: into these like really skeevy turncoats, you know, like you would basically like the second The second you had somebody who was responsible for punishing the whole class, like everybody hated that person and then they were like bullied or like fucking harassed
3: like it never it never ended well for that person. No, it's it was totally it's totally a shitty thing to do to kids, because I think as a child, if someone hurts you or does something inappropriate, you should tell an adult and all of that. But you should also, I think, learn to not be a rat in more innocuous situations, like, yeah. that's an important thing to learn. Like, you, you don't tale. You don't tell on other people. It's, yeah. a, it's a lesson you learn. And yeah,
0: then totally. they're, just,
3: they're just throwing that in your face and being like, well, you better tell me who threw the fucking or spit the spitball or you're all going to detention. No, that's not going to happen to me because I'm 35 and I haven't been in school in a long time, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. So, yes, Twin Breaker coming to Switch, Xbox One and PC via East Asia Soft, buy them when they come out on September 23rd, or they'll be held to pay. <laughs> now, Chris, there's a lot. Of, now, there's not that much news to get into this week. We'll yeah. get into that news, though, eventually. But I wanted to talk about some other random things that the audience wrote in about, as they often do. Of course. Now, I have to make the text a little bit bigger on my screen. There we go, because I, I wasn't really being able to. I wasn't it wasn't readable to me. Readable.
4: Yeah. You know what? So I need, Honestly, yeah. that, that reminds me. Yeah. I, it's something that I've noticed and you brought it up too. in a lot of re- God of War being the most recent example. I don't know what it is about like modern games and like really small UI, That's like horrible. really small text, but I'm noticing it more and more now than I think I ever have. And it's really starting to get on my
3: nerves. It's ridiculous. It's like, uh, what was a What was a, a great example of this recently that I was playing? Oh, you know what? I, it wasn't that recently, I guess, but the Outer Worlds. Remember how small the text was in that game? I'm like, are you kidding? It's super small.
4: And like, honestly, Destroy All Humans, like as much as I like it, has the same problem where it's like,
3: wh- where do you think I'm playing this? Here's the thing, because we did discuss this. I-, I think that this is where it comes from. And I know this only because I've been in- at many game dev-, dev studios and I also worked at IGN all those years. So I had a TV at my desk and the TV's like right in your face. I really do feel like developers just have these really pristine m- monitors so close to their faces at all times that they... They you would think it would come out in playtesting or something, but I guess it doesn't that if you're sitting 10 or 15 feet distant from your TV, which you don't at a dev studio, then you can't see anything in some of these games. And so I think that they need to be a little more mindful of that or at least allow you to vacillate that text size, which I know some games are allowing you to do as well. That creates a little bit of a UI nightmare, but I don't like it. I don't like that shit either because I just went to the eye doctor and, and was told I had 20, 20 vision, but I'm squinting when I'm playing games sometimes. Yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. What the hell are we talking about? Oh, yes, here we go. Peter Silk wrote into us. Do You think that's his real name? I think Peter so. Silk? Yeah, I think so. I think he, his family invented Silk. Oh, yeah. And named that's it. That's incredible. That's an incredible thing. Yeah. He says, hey, CNC, longtime listener from the Beyond Days and recent first time patron. Welcome, Peter. And thank you, Mr. Silk. Of the Silk fortune. <laughs> Not so much a PlayStation related question, but have you or Chris... Ever thought of doing an off-topic comedy-type podcast where you just chat about random nonsense? You and Chris have great banter, and I love your conversations at the start of every podcast. It would be great to get a podcast of you two just chatting the shit for an hour or so. Thanks from sunny old England. <laughs> That's basically what this show is. I know. How many? How much more of it do you want? But I did want to bring this up, Chris, because you do do a comedy podcast. That's true, yeah. Called The Snark Tank that you can support on its own Patreon and is available for free for everyone. So if you want to hear Chris and company... Uh, Get comedic. Let's say get comedic. You can go listen to Snark Tank.
4: Yeah. And we just started uh, we just recently started doing the guest thing. So, like, you know, if, if Colin would would uh,
3: love to be on, that would be something that uh, maybe we could arrange. Yeah, I would definitely do that. I don't do many guest appearances anymore, the, but I will obviously do it for Chris. I pretty much only did it. I did a media tour for Twin Breaker because I kind of had to. And when an audience member sometimes asks me to do their podcast, I'll say yes, because I don't want to be rude. But typically speaking, I like to just remain in my bubble, my my isolation chamber. Yeah. But for Chris, I'll come out. I'll 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 emerge. And for Sweeney, of course. All right. Let's see here. Oh, you know what? I really did want to I wanted to read this because. We, we got to talk about this. Joshua <laughs> Weiberg wrote in and said, Hey, Colin and Chris, I normally tune out while listening to the random questions you guys receive during the beginning of each show. That's not very nice, Joshua. Yeah, that's mean. Why would you tune out when we're having ourselves a zany old time here in the beginning of the show? Pretty standard behavior for a Joshua. I know, Joshua. I'm sorry, Joshua. Why don't you go to fucking Phillips Exeter Academy? <laughs> All right. He says, however, there was a comment made last week during the pizza discussion that I cannot let go. How fucking dare the both of you? Who do you even think you are? Adding ranch, the nectar of the gods, to a slice of pizza turns the slice into one of the best things you can consume on this planet. Maybe the two of you need to look at yourselves in the mirror and ask, am I the terrorist in this situation? <laughs> I got to be honest. I ask, myself that, I ask myself that almost every day for various reasons. Oh, yeah, of course. Am, am I the terrorist? I don't know. You're not living a fulfilling life if you're not asking yourself that at least twice a day. What do they call those things that that are you're not supposed to wear anymore, but you you do the the things you put like put around your neck and then pull up over your face? What, you know what I'm talking about? The, uh, the thing... um, oh my god, I don't know what they're
4: called. I know what yeah, you're I talking can't think about visually.
3: Yeah, so you're not supposed to wear those things anymore because they're apparently not great at stopping things, but that's not gonna stop me. That's what I'm wearing. And I got a couple of them with massive Cobra logos on them from G.I. Joe, and I look like a domestic terrorist when I'm wearing them. So <laughs> but yeah. it's not it's not the scary kind of domestic terrorism. Cobra's completely inept. They never did anything right. I don't know where they get their money from. I don't know who's funding this operation, where they're recruiting all these people from, but they can't do anything right. So if you see me wearing the Cobra logo, don't be don't be scared.
4: Yeah, the the whole Cobra organization is definitely just like this kind of tax write off, you know, for this like big company that's like, "Ah, I want to pay a little less. I'll just dump all this money into this random inept guy's pockets and they'll they'll buy and then they'll buy like tanks and then, you know, shoot it at mountains, I guess,
3: or whatever the hell it is. Cobra does. Yeah, I don't. Who the hell knows? It's like Dr. Wiley in Mega Man is utter failure, consistent failure. Dirty durds wrote into us. Oh, wait, wait. Dude, we didn't even get into this. Oh, wait. yo, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I totally got distracted. So you're at, You're right. Jeez. I'm, Joshua's got me a little all mixed up here right now. <laughs> I fucking hate ranch. I hate it. I yeah. hate it. I don't want anything to do with it. It smells bad. It tastes bad. It's gross. It's overpowering. Launch that shit into the sun. That's where I stand.
4: Chris, yeah, no, I, I got to. I got to agree on some level I don't hate it but I, I I have never I've never been in a situation where I was eating something I've added ranch and it was better or I've never had a moment where I had something with ranch and thought oh I'm so glad it has ranch like it it just it's just this slimy thing Ugh. that just is is so I, overpowering is a good phrase or is a good description because it really just it, it's like too much onion. You know, where it's just like now this is the sandwich or this is whatever you're eating. You are eating ranch with a side of whatever the hell the ranch is on. It almost feels like.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. I just don't. It's It doesn't have the elegance of mayonnaise. It doesn't have the sweetness of ketchup. You know, it's sh- it's. You shouldn't be putting ranch on anything. Let's be honest. You shouldn't be putting it on anything at all. Certainly not pizza. Like, p- p- no. like if you want to put it on like whatever,
4: like if you want to have like a chicken bacon ranch, like whatever the hell terroristic meal you know you can have that you can have that affront if you want but keep it away from a a,
3: a perfectly good slice of pizza like it doesn't need to be there yeah i agree we're, we're talking about terrorism a lot today but yeah well he brought it up he did bring it up and uh, by the way the mask that i was talking about is called the gator oh the gator i went and looked that up for you all right now let's talk to dirty dirt he says hey chlamydia colin and cholera chris Long time, first time I literally paid to ask the question, who the fuck is Clyde Drexel? If you meant to say Portland legend Clyde Drexler, then you would still be wrong because he didn't wear sports goggles. Obviously, that's what I meant, dirty dirts. If I said <laughs> Clyde Drexel, and you're like, if you meant Clyde Drexler, who the fuck did you think I meant? <laughs> I don't know, man. You said Clyde Drexel. But I'm pretty sure you meant Clyde Drexler. Yes, I feel like it's no, I meant Michael Jordan when I I (laughs) said when I said that it doesn't sound like a common name, you know? No, it's not. But he says maybe you're thinking of Horace Grant or James Worthy or the goat himself, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm definitely not thinking of Kareem. I might be thinking of Horace Grant. Yeah, I don't I don't really like basketball. He assumes I'm a Knicks fan, by the way, but I'm actually a Nets fan. Oh, uh, I am from Long Island. That's a total subversion of expectations. It, that's right. I'm the Ryan Johnson of sports fandom. I genuinely and, don't know yeah.
4: anything, anything about basketball. I learned who Michael
3: Jordan was because of Space Jam. Wow. <laughs> and that's that's literally that's that's it. But you were but a pee in a pod when Space Jam came out. I don't know that that's a, like by the time you were a cognizant person, he was basically on his way out. Right. I mean, he was that's when he was on the Wizards and shit like that. And
4: I uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. All I know is that, like, there was a rerun of this movie called space jam and i was like oh that's a cartoon i'll watch it and uh, this guy's like oh michael jordan's a big deal i was like oh, i mean i guess so yeah I'll, he, I'll, I'll take bugs bunny's
3: word for it i guess do you, you know? remember have we ever talked about this on the show do you remember when michael michael jordan and i want you to look this up right now when he played baseball if you don't remember it no that's that's good stuff that's interesting stuff when he played for the white Sox or the, the farm team when he had a hitler mustache what you remember this Michael Jordan did a Haynes commercial. He's done many Haynes commercials, but there was a specific Haynes commercial where Michael Jordan straight up, straight up has a Hitler mustache in it. I'm not making it up. I'm not really? lying. It exists. It's a commercial that played on television. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that was all about. That was super weird. People should go look that up. Holy though, if not shit, seen that's it. so wild. Isn't that crazy? Only like <laughs> Michael Jordan's one of a few people that can get get away with the Hitler mustache. Yeah. You know? No, that's so obviously what that is. That's so interesting. Isn't that weird? Do you think that the Hitler mustache will ever like be allowed again? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's so yeah. be, I don't think so purely because
4: you can't have a Hitler mustache by accident. You know what right. I mean? If, right. I I feel like you could get away with most hairstyles that like are associated with terrible people just because it's like Mo- like no one's gonna think like oh that's uh, that's a bin laden beard it's like you know it's just like that's just he has a generic beard you know it just so happens to be on a terrible person but like hitler was like he styled it specifically
3: yeah it's nobody crazy, nobody's right? mustache
4: it's... grows in like that so like I yeah like it was it's... interesting
3: it was interesting right like yeah. where did he get that from Why is he doing that? Yeah. Who had it? Was it Chaplin who had it first or was it? That's right. The Charlie Chaplin had it, I think, too. So I guess it was some sort of style. And then, yeah, obviously, it's become so closely associated with him. You know, Hitler was a vegetarian, too. I'm just saying so. (laughs) That is, you know, that's all the reason I need. Yeah. So just I'm just pointing that out. You can do whatever you want with that information. But I wanted to point it out. Uh, But thank you, uh, Dirty Dirts, for writing in and asking. uh, Like, you didn't know what I meant. Clyde Drexel. Oh, I wonder what I wonder what person he's talking about. He said Clyde Drexel must have been Scotty Pippen that he meant to bring <laughs> up. Must have been Hugh Grant, <laughs> the actor Hugh Grant. I got it. I got Hugh Grant and Clyde Drexler mixed up. Do you have any people? Clyde Drexler knew... is of course black, so that's also <laughs> another really weird.
4: <laughs> do you do you get do you have situations where you mix people up that you really just don't understand how you get them confused for each other?
3: Yes. I feel like that happens a lot. I was talking about recently. Who was I saying this to my sister Allie? I think in the 80s and and into the early 90s, there was there were these two shows. One was called Doogie Howser, which everyone I think knows. Yeah. And the other was called. um, Was it all my life or something like that? Anyway, they were on back to back. And in the life what was it called? I can't remember. But there was a there was a character named Corky in it who was like mentally retarded, like mentally I don't know what he had Down syndrome or something like that. I don't mean that as an insult, by the way. Yeah, mentally incapacitated, mentally handicapped. I don't know what the I don't know what the right term is anymore. But because the shows were on back to back, I insisted when I was uh, older, when I was an adult, and talking about Doogie Hauser. I'm like, yeah, Doogie Howser had like you know a brother with Down syndrome in the show, and they're like, no, no, he didn't, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, he did. Doogie Hauser had a brother named named Corky and he had like down syndrome and they're like, no dude, that was the show that was on before it. So I was positive that this had actually happened and it didn't. So I get things confused all the time, all the time. Yeah. Characters that don't belong in shows, etc. And so on Doogie Howser MD. That's a jam though. Love that shit. Would you have, if Doogie Howser was going to come into the surgery room, the, to, to take out your gallbladder or something, would you be a little concerned? I mean, he's like 14
4: i'd probably be immediately on the phone with like a lawyer of some kind there's no way i'm letting a child cut me up right you know
3: that's he just doesn't cards. know anything he doesn't know anything about the world yeah there's no shit what does he know about the he world?
4: doesn't even know what taxes are probably like there's no. there's no way he's gonna i'm letting him cut me open and like leave a sponge in me
3: yeah it's really weird that was a really weird when i'm like isn't anyone apprehensive that this child is performing these amazing surgeries i mean it's very interesting but he you know he's still coloring and coloring books there, there were there
4: were a lot of shows like that though that just had like no real premise like i feel like back in like it was just like oh a kid is a doctor that was the whole premise of that show i feel like the early the further back in television you go like the the premises just feel like they weren't even thought out at all like mr ed is literally just what if horse but talk and that's like that's the whole premise for that show and it had like fucking 900 seasons it was, it was,
3: yeah, no, Mr. Ed sucks, by the way. <laughs> it's I mean, terrible. I, I used to, I used to watch Mr. Ed when on like <laughs> Nick at night or whatever, or TV land. When I was a kid, I'm like, this show sucks. What is this? It's just a dude talking and then they zoom in on the horse and they pretend that he's talking and that's the entire show and they have like a VO. Yeah. What a, what a, what a bunch of garbage. By the way, the uh, show <laughs> I'm thinking of is uh, life goes on, life oh. goes on, right, right. Starring Corky. All right, let's see here. Derek Wechter, he wanted to come to your defense here a little bit. Oh, he says, hello there, CNC comrades. Oh, that's going to especially appeal to Chris, who's a uh. communist. <laughs> he says, I got to say this weekly talk about what's acceptable to do in the shower has dissevered my sense of normalcy. Usually when I take a shower, I just stand in the darkness of my bathroom, scalding water, hitting my stern, and I lament my existence. Now my brain is riddled with uncertainty over whether or not I should bring a cold beverage in with me while I bathe or if I should blow phlegm all over my person. I just want to take a normal and depressing shower again. Please assist me in getting back to that paradigm. Also, patrons need to stop bullying Chris oh. <laughs> about wearing his glasses in the shower. The man can't see and taunting him is seriously fucked up. Cheers and thanks for the many laughs you both bring. I disagree. I don't think taunting Chris is fucked up at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think it's fine. I appreciate, really
4: well. I appreciate the defense, but, you yeah. know, it, it, I'm, I'm blind, so I can't even
3: see them talking about me anyway. <laughs>
4: right. Know, Exa- like that's,
3: that's exactly right. So. Uh well is that right? No. I, yeah, I guess that is right. You can hear them though. Well, if they're saying. Yeah. I I can hear audible. them typing, but like they could be typing whatever the right, hell. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's not like a dial tone where you realize like there's a computer be like, "Oh, that's a 1 and that's a 9." You're just hearing clickety clacks. You yeah. don't know what, what what's being said. God, that would be bars. that'd be wild if like every every
4: button on a keyboard had like a like a unique click to it and people could like interpret what the hell
3: you're typing. That'd be uncomfortable. Yeah, I wouldn't like that. Yeah, no. Nah. I wouldn't like that. Jason Green wrote into us and said, hey, bros, have you ever tried to squeeze out a fart with people around you, but ended up ripping loud ass? Hope you're both well. I've done this. Definitely. No, I've I've never done this. This is weird. I I don't understand what you've been doing for all your life. You never coughed up phlegm. Isn't that the thing you claimed last (laughs) week?
4: I never coughed up phlegm. Like, I've had had phlegm in my throat, but for some reason, like, there's always a situation where I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to cough it out because there's never like a nice place to do it really never a nice place <laughs> it's not a it's not a it's never a nice it's place not a n- it. it's not a thing that is a pleasant thing to do right
3: you know no, i understand i understand what you're saying i to me chris i just you know i just wanted to give you an opportunity to have a normal answer and talk, talk about a time you farted and people heard it and and uh no i just don't i like i specifically exit a room if i'm gonna
4: do anything even remotely like that you're like a girl I'm just I'm just a courteous person. Like, I don't want to I I don't want to
3: make things annoying for people. So you're like a girl. I mean, I guess (laughs) now uh, what comes to mind for me is I was either in seventh or eighth grade when I was in Catholic school and I went to bend over to pick something up when I was sitting down and I just farted in like a loud or really loudly, in like a silent classroom. What was interesting and what's memorable about that was that no one said anything to me. And I was wondering, I'm like, is everyone really polite or did no one realize that I just Fucking ripped ass in the middle of this English class. So that's what always comes to mind for me. I don't know. I don't know what if people heard it or not. I don't know if anyone thinks about it. Yeah, some kids just wakes up in a cold sweat
4: with like a a fever dream, like flashback, where it just kind of skips frames every couple seconds of that
3: one moment where you farted probably directly at them in 1997. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Thank you, Jason, for writing in. All right, let's get into some of these. uh, Are we ready for games things yet? I think so. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, RJ Davis wrote in and said, hello, Colin and Chris, thank you for making the most entertaining video game podcast on the Internet. You're welcome. Good. I have been racking my brain. (laughs) That's your answer. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have been racking my brain with some interesting or poignant, relevant topics to discuss. But after last week's episode about blowing your nose in the shower came up, I wanted to tell you about about my friend. This is going to annoy you, Chris, because it annoyed me. Oh, boy. He is 31 years old and has yet to learn how to blow his nose. You may be wondering how this could be possible. So did I. And when I was living with him, I discovered the horrendous truth. He takes facial tissues, twists them around and just shoves them up his nose, kind of like a spelunking situation. Then he pulls them out with whatever he was able to extract. Then he repeats it. I know it is hard to believe, but if you knew my friend, you sadly wouldn't question it. He is what you would call an anomaly, to say the least. That sounds like a nice thing to say. I can think of different words for the people you're talking about. Yeah, that's like saying like, oh, he's just an enigma, but he really just kind of eats trash. (laughs) (laughs) he's an enigma wrapped in a riddle, but he just eats out of the garbage all day. (laughs) Hopefully I come up with a more pertinent question or topic next time and keep slowly fucking those chickens. Thank you, RJ, for writing it. How do you not know how to blow your nose? I don't feel like this is even something you learn how to do. You just breathe through your nose and then you breathe harder through your (laughs) nose, right? There's definitely like
4: techniques to blowing your nose. Mm. But like, yeah, like I don't understand how you just don't know how to do it. This sounds like a very Kramer kind of person. You know right That's like this a is a very it. Kramer situation like I, I've had there my parents have had neighbors like this who were just like they just inexplicably just don't know how to I, I had a, my parents had a friend who didn't know who didn't understand how rolling down windows worked for some reason he just couldn't understand like back in the day when you would have to like roll like literally. Yeah, like-
3: yeah, like with the with the handle. He
4: somehow yeah. couldn't grasp the mechanics of like a churn or like a lever of some kind. Right, a churn. And I remember That's this really distinctly it. because I just like I was I remember being around him and being kind of scared by it. But this is like, this is next level. This is something that people do accidentally. You know, like right, right. I'm I'm sure like
3: when you sneeze, there's enough force Yeah, where that I happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I was gonna say that I had follow ups for RJ, but RJ just don't write in about this anymore. I can't take it. I just can't take it. That's basically it. That's yeah, That's too much. I don't want to know any anymore about this person. <laughs> All right. Now I think we can get into some video game stuff. And it's what? We're, we're 25 minutes into the show. It's not so bad. Yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> David Graham wrote in with a correction. He said, Colin, Chris and Oxford commas. Last episode, the question was posed as to what 3D audio is. So he has a little explanation for us because we were a little scattered here. He says. Yeah. In short, the distinction between 3D audio and bog standard surround sound. I think you just made that term up, by the way, is that 3D audio is capable of replicating changes in elevation, whereas traditional surround sound exists only on a flat plane, like a two dimensional space binaural binaural audio. Yeah. I should add, since Chris mentioned it. And yeah, you did mention this is essentially a pre-recorded version of 3D audio captured in the real world using a special dual microphone setup that mimics the human ears. 3D audio has been a feature on PS4 exclusively while using particular Sony hardware. The mission with PS5 seems to be to implement this feature in more games and to allow the abject simpletons who use their television speakers to experience it. Stay safe and sound, he Ooh. says. OK, so I, I guess
4: I, I'll be real. I I, I don't think I've uh, I don't think I've ever noticed if, if if it's a feature that's been exclusive to PS4. I don't I don't think I've noticed that this is a thing, but um but I, mean, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to see like what it's, what it's gonna sound like, and if 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 I'll be able to notice it without needing headphones. But did did you say early that he made up the term box standard? Have you never heard that before? No, i never heard that term. What does that mean? It just mean it, it. I don't know why it's called box standard, but it literally just means standard. Oh, like it's okay. just it's just a more uh forceful way
3: of saying bogs of standard i guess it's just a more obnoxious thing to say is what you're saying it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, just to annoy basically. the shit out of me <laughs> uh yeah and the bog standard surrounds that's like all right dude it's like, it's british slang so obviously it's oh god well yeah i can't say anything more about the british or we're going to lose more p- patrons <laughs> now chris the 3d audio thing is interesting but he brings up the simpletons the television speakers I lived in a house for years with surround sound 5.1 or whatever surround sound when I lived in San Francisco and I hated it. I hated using it. I like just didn't like it at all. I just I don't need to be fucking ass blasted with sound. I don't like I don't like loud shit unless I'm at like a concert. or I'm listening to music. I don't need all of this bombarding me from all these different angles. I would always turn it off and use the speakers on the TV. So perhaps I am a simpleton after all. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that is, yeah, I I, I I, like surround sound, but I don't, there's never been a situation where I was like, oh, I really need it, you know, or that the lack of it ruined an experience for me. Like, I feel like the, the overwhelming majority of video games that I've played have not been in surround sound. I think probably, like, maybe, maybe like, 5% of them, and yeah, that's, they, that's, they do enhance it a little bit. It's it's cool, like, I, Uncharted and stuff like that is great, right. for that stuff, but I feel like, um, in general, I,
3: I just... It's not necessarily something that I care all that much about. Ben Peace wrote into us about something similar. He says, after hearing that neither of you use gaming headphones on a consistent basis, I have been thoroughly perturbed all week. Audio is such a yeah, this has been bothering Ben all week. Audio is such a massive part of the gaming experience to me that I instantly get a feeling of whether a developer has their act together by the audio mixing and sampling. Dice's work on Battlefield 3 comes instantly to mind about a game that was elevated above the others on the audio alone. Thanks. And please wear headphones. Just can't do it. (laughs) I wear them sometimes. Yeah, I want to re want to reiterate that when I'm playing a game that's like very story driven or something, I listen to the game. It wasn't like I was listening to podcasts when I was playing The Last of Us or something like that, but I like multitasking. And so like in Ghost of Tsushima, I was collecting the collectibles and the documents and whatnot while I was listening to, you know, the fifth column or whatever podcast I was listening to. And that's just the way it's got to be. Yeah, for me, you know, it's just the way it's going to be.
4: i only really play video games with headphones when i'm playing like on stream because you kind of have to otherwise like the audio there's like a a really annoying audio feedback whenever you're streaming that'll just become really nightmarish and you know i i get it like i definitely understand the appeal of like a really good set of headphones with like a really good game with like a really solid and really well developed soundscape like um I, I, Hellblade was amazing, and I, I think uh, in large part because of how it uses audio and how it uses headphones to just really kind of fuck with you. But the overwhelming majority of games just don't, in my experience, just doesn't doesn't really call for it. Gotcha. Also, it's gotcha. just annoying to have. I don't know. I, I get. I know. I just personally get kind of annoyed wearing something around my head for that long. You know, I, I'd rather just be. It's it's kind of like VR, where it's like you know it, you know I. The less I have to worry about that's on me, the more
3: relaxed I'm going to be and and the less perturbed I'm going to be. Yet you leave your glasses on in the shower. I just want to say that there is a conundrum. Well, that's (laughs) one of my sight. One of my senses. Right. Is being sacrificed. Well, that's a good point. So, Ben, I hope you got over it. Whatever's (laughs) bothering you. And um, he's probably going to be extra perturbed now. Ben, just take it easy. Your name is Ben Peace. Got to chill.
1: Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
3: Let's go to Brent Lindquist who has a non-PlayStation question, but one that we really should ask Chris because I'm interested in hearing what he has to say about this. He says, Mm -hmm. hey, fellas, this isn't an Xbox show. Thanks, Brent. I'm aware. But I'd still love to hear your takes on 343 hiring Joseph Statton on as a high paid temp to work on Halo Infinite. I feel like the news of him coming on board raises a litany of red flags, and I can't help but watch with morbid curiosity as he and 343 try to right the ship. My biggest question is this. If Infinite is in such bad shape, why would they show it like they did? And could those 2022 rumors be even a little bit founded? Chris, you are a Halo mega fan. I made a Joseph Stalin joke when this was announced, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I liked it. I don't think a lot of people got it because you know, there's not very. Let's be honest, there's some some morons out there in the world. Well, it, you angry. know, yeah,
4: it's yeah. also you have PlayStation PlayStation centric audience. They probably don't right. know who Joseph Staten is at all. Right. Oh,
3: I call them Staten like Staten Island. It's Staten J- Joseph Staten. All right. Well, that's yeah. Good yeah. To know. Is but, it spelled the same? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's, it's the same exact way. So, all right. So, talk to me, Chris. How are you
4: feeling? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, to me, this is uh, a sign that, like, obviously, development is, like, in in really bad shape. But Joseph Staten coming back really in any capacity is great news because he he really is kind of, like, the steward of that entire series. Like, he he wrote the first—I think he wrote all the games. I think he, like, he was very, very integral in making that series what it was. And I think he's exactly the kind of person who could, who could guide a team to, you know, righting the wrongs and being like, okay, so this works, this doesn't, get rid of that, scrap that. I really feel like if there's anybody who could do this job, it's definitely him. Do I think it's going to be 2022? No. I think, I think and this is just my prediction here, I'm betting uh, November 2021, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm betting that they're going to, to push it further back. To give Joseph, uh, to give Staten a little bit more time to really leave any bit of impact on the on the project. And also, I think November 2021 is kind of perfect because that's the 20th anniversary of the series. Oh, so it would wow. So it would be kind of Holy
3: shit. serendipitous. Got it, man. That's incredible. I'm so old. Isn't that insane? Oh, my God. It's a 20-year-old game. It's I, retro I remember now. when Halo... I was in 12th grade when Halo came out. Dude, that game's <laughs> retro now.
4: Holy shit. It's a retro game.
3: Holy shit. But... Yeah, no, I, I,
4: it's weird because like, all every single red flag so far has been like obvious, where it's like, oh, that's definitely not ready. They need more time. But this is one of those red flags where it's like, oh, I'm so glad that this is the this is the red flag that we got because I I don't know if this is just my personal opinion or or just like a pattern that I've noticed with Halo games is typically like, Halo Two is one of those games that like, was a disaster behind the scenes. It was like one of the most famous famously bad development cycles ever and it turned out to be like kind of the the best one and four and five and mcc had no rumblings of trouble before they came out and launched kind of not great so in a weird way there's like this this kind of pattern recognition where like i'm almost Inherently more optimistic about it because it's such a fucking disaster behind the scenes that I feel like because you even like listen to people like uh, Corey Barlog right and he's talking about how like oh yeah they were making God of War and nothing was working and like in like the last week is really like when it became like oh it works you know and I feel like that's not out of the question for uh for Halo uh they definitely do need the time I don't think it's 2022. I think that'd be ridiculous. Yeah,
3: 2022 is too far away. I, I, I'm morbidly curious about this myself. I just, I think this game is pretty fucked. I think that they can fix it. I'm sure that the, the nugget of what they need is there, but what they showed was, I, I, and we talked about this a little bit on our Sacred Symbols Plus episode, but what they showed, I feel like, is completely unacceptable. Well, I, I, I remember seeing that footage. And be like, now, I'm not even a graphics whore at, at all. Yeah, And yeah. I was like, are you kidding this, I, and then I was like, I think Halo Reach looked better than this. And I went back and looked, and Halo Reach did look better. So Yeah, no, it totally did. So I, I was just, and that's two platforms ago. So I was just confused about what they were doing. But I didn't know much about Joseph Staten, and I went and read about him. And I didn't even realize that he never left Microsoft. When Bungie was acquired, I guess he moved over at some point, And then when Bungie left, he stayed Well, right. Am I I understanding that? Well, so Staten was with Bungie and he wrote
4: like he went with Bungie and he wrote the original version of Destiny's story, which the I guess the Activision Board of Directors passed on.
3: And so he left and he joined uh, he joined Microsoft after that. Right. And then he was he's at Xbox Game Studios. And then I guess he's been drafted back now into 343, which is not where he's from. So. It's an interesting move. I think it's a desperation play. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not confident that this game is going to be great. But I know that they have to get it out (laughs) in 2021. So we will see. I'm hoping for the best for our friend Chris here and for all the Xbox fans out there. I know that you guys are a little desperado at this point for something. And I don't (laughs) blame you. I don't blame you. And I'm not even trying to be a dick because I'm really not fanboyish at all. But it's pretty dire at this point. Like, you need... (laughs) You need to have some big games. And um, to your point about what Bo- Corey Barlog was saying and everything, Neil Druckmann's is the same way. I mean, when The Last of Us got delayed, people will remember that The Last of Us was delayed in 2013. It got like six weeks, I think, of a delay. And they said yeah. that the game like completely came together in that six weeks. So yeah. I, I really I really do think in general development
4: is a shit show. It really is just a matter of like how um, how tight a lid you can keep on it. Uh, there's there's definitely no situation where like a A game has like a perfectly smooth dev cycle, and even like people leaving and people coming in, and fucking turnover rates, and like oh this engine doesn't work, oh this thing's got to be rebuilt from the ground up. I think the the biggest issue with with this game is that they're making a new engine, or that they were making a new engine for it. So a lot of the time that they spent developing this game was really just spent making a new engine.
3: The work on the engine is good, but they need to. I don't know what what does Microsoft do with their engines? Do they have like an Ice type team, like initiative for the common engine? thing like PlayStation does. I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about their
4: games. I do think their engines get play, if that makes sense. I, I do yeah. feel like they, they they,
3: you know, exchange tricks and stuff like that, obviously. Yeah. And so I bring that up just because an investment in the engine, just like they invest Sony invested so much in Decima through Gorilla and Ice ended up being a really wise investment for them because so many games are built on it now. And so maybe this will pan out for them. But I, I hope it does, because I, I I think a strong Xbox is good for everybody and um, they need this game. So we'll see what happens. But thank you for writing in Brent. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, Chris, before we get into what we're playing and then the news itself is this. I didn't feel like this was really newsworthy enough, but I think it does spur an interesting conversation. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart from Insomniac, the PS5 game in an interview with Mitsu, I believe Marcus Smith, a buddy of mine who used to be the director of Resistance, Talked about how Ratchet will have two modes on PS5, 30 frames at 4K and 60 frames at a lower resolution. I don't know what the resolution will be. This isn't the first time we've heard about this with games. Ubisoft has been talking about this with PS5 launch uh, window games, but I'm not and, and we talked about this with Miles Morales, I think, too, but I'm not I'm a little confused on one hand how they're not getting the best of both worlds with the meat on this on the bone with this machine. But on the other hand, I think about the launch games for PS4 and Xbox One, and I think specifically about that game Rise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and from Crytek and about how it was running at, what, 30 frames and like 900p? I, yeah, and, I think so. And then they ended up getting, that's the beginning of the console generation, and then they ended up getting games running at at least 1080, 60 on Xbox One, if not a little better. So I was just thinking, is that this seems like a decent starting place right if this is where we're beginning with these options then certainly by the end of the generation we're gonna have everything running at 64k you would assume is that yeah yeah i
4: I think so i think um i think that's generally kind of the assumption uh but it it, it is i it is weird that it just says lower you know like I, i feel like they should have that resolution like understood like, it, sh- it shouldn't just be like, oh, it's lower than 4K. It's like, yeah, well, that, that would be a reasonable assumption. <laughs> but uh, if it's like 1080, that, that'd be a little weird. Like, I don't imagine that it's going to be 1080, probably like 1440 or something like that. Right. Like yeah. This weird middle yeah. ground, which I think is, by the way, perfectly, like, w- exactly what you need, in my opinion, for something to look really, really good. 4K, I genuinely think is is extremely overrated. And I I would rather just have something like 1440p running at a solid 60 than have to stomach 30 frames at, at just 4K resolution. Like, I just don't I don't see the reason.
3: I'm interested in how this all goes with the technical fidelity. We'll obviously be keeping an eye on the likes of Digital Foundry and all the rest. But we have an associated question about Ratchet. File Fill wrote into us on Patreon, just like all of you can by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins last stand and he says hey CNC do you guys think that Sony is trying to make uh, to make Ratchet and Clank into a 10-pole game franchise Rift Apart is getting a lot of exposure and I think if treated right it, it, it could achieve it could achieve more success than it has in the past how do you feel about this Ratchet is I think since a crack in time at the very least maybe the PS2 era if you really want to be accurate has been relegated to the second tier of PlayStation exclusives even with the wonderful 2016 remake on PS4. It does feel like they're trying to push Ratchet a little bit harder. I think the launch window is a really great place for it to be. Yeah. I think Ratchet should be bigger than it is. I think Ratchet and Clanker is a really great series. A really fun game. Really likable characters. Really dynamic, interesting, insomniac-style weapons and worlds. Do you think Sony's trying to push Ratchet harder than ever right now? Yeah, no, I think they are. I
4: think... um I think, in general, they're kind of looking for something that doesn't look super samey to the stuff that they've been doing before. They don't They don't need... They're not looking to push something like, uh, you know, oh, a, a dark, gritty, realistic third-person action game. I, th- I think th- it's good that they have something that looks as good as Ratchet, and they. I think they understand the value of that, of having something that's a little bit more fam- family-friendly, a little bit more appealing to the eye, a little bit more colorful, a little bit more zany. Uh, I think it's definitely the, them trying to push it a little harder, and I think the launch window is, like, kind of a perfect place for it. I I, th- I, I do feel, though, that because uh, Ratchet is in the style that it is, and it's it's a very, like, cartoony kind of third-person platformy kind of thing, I can't get this... Fe- I, I don't know if you'll disagree with me on this, but I, I get this feeling that there is a general feeling in the air that if something is a cartoonish platforming video game it's just kind of not necessarily like a Mario knockoff but it's almost treated like kind of like this thing that's trying to be what Nintendo does inherently just because Nintendo is so popular because of it and I think that that in some people's minds I feel like that's probably why it's it's never really felt like a true first party and I don't even think it's their fault you know I I really do think there's this this kind of and we talk about the Nintendo bump. Right. Sometimes. Right. But I do feel like that. I, I do feel like that bias kind of exists where it's like, yeah, this is oh, this is Sony's attempt at a Mario or like or something like uh more family friendly. And it's like, that's
3: not really fair. Yeah. I, I just it ratchets 20 years old almost. So it's I think a really good time to, to push the series Insomniac's an internal studio. Now this game was dev- in development when they were purchased. So my assumption is that Rift Apart was probably looking pretty special, and that, was a, that spurred them on to purchase them. I'm sure there are other considerations as well, including sp- the work on Spider-Man. But I feel like Ratchet deserves more shine. I think it's going to get it because, as we said, it's going to have a lot more oxygen now. It would be nice for it to be out at launch, but I do think it would be weird for Insomniac to push two games at the same time because then we're not going to see them for a while. And we're, we're going to talk about Insomniac later on in our show as well. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's talk about what we're playing. I kick it over to you. So here, Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two, which I didn't even know was was out yet. Yeah. Well, so so
1: I've
4: been yeah. playing the demo because I think it's out super, super soon. Right. Like when we're putting this up. Right. OK. Yeah. But yeah, I've been it's really the only thing I've had time to play. I've been kind of getting everything set before I uh, getting a lot of videos kind of done before I leave uh, for my flight to New York. But I've, I played a little bit of the demo. Uh, got some Rage Against the Machine in there. It's nice. really nice. It's it's good. It's been so long since I've played Tony Hawk that I, I wonder if like my muscle memory is just really off or if I just was so young when I played it that I didn't even really know how to play. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like when I was playing it as a kid, I was just sort of like not really paying attention to combos or anything. I was just skating around being like, whoa, it's cool. I can skate around. But it's a lot harder than I remember And maybe I'll get into it a little bit. I've only played it for like, I think, 30 minutes or like an hour. But it feels good. It feels good to play. It looks nice. The soundtrack is really killer. Uh, I'm excited to dive into it.
3: Yeah, me too. I I kind of forgot this was coming out and then the reviews started coming and I didn't read too many of them, but I was just looking around and people are really enjoying it. And it's not a huge surprise. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was awesome when it came out. And I remember so well, I discussed it a few weeks ago, I think, but I remember in 1999 getting it for Christmas and on PS1 and just I was just blown away by it. I I just it was so fun. And so I'm going to definitely pick this up at full price. I want to show them support for the franchise, want to show support for Tony Hawk himself kind of coming back into that Activision fold. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So that's going to a game I'm going to mess around with this week as well. Uh, For me, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, so I platinumed it, and I'm done with it. And I really like Ghost of Tsushima. I think it's a great game. You guys can listen to our Sacred Symbols Plus episode all about it. We go on for about 90 minutes to talk about the pros and cons of the game and the story itself and all the things we enjoyed and didn't enjoy about it. I also started a game called Antiquia Lost on Vita. This is a Japanese role-playing game from Kemco. Now, a week or two ago, I, I tweeted out If anyone had any suggestions on Kemco RPGs, because Kemco is this role playing game publisher in Japan that seems to just release a lot of like B and C tier role playing games, like very traditional pseudo sprite based. Yeah. Old school stuff. And I didn't get much feedback. Some people were saying, like, don't bother play this. This is this instead. And I'm like, no, I want to play a Kemco game. I want to know what they're all about. So I just went on the store on Vita and Antiquia Lost, as the name suggests, was the first Kemco RPG that came up because it's an A name. So I bought it and I just played it for a few hours so far, and it's it's fun. It's very straightforward. It's just a kind of a grindy, button mashy, turn based role playing game. Nothing too crazy, but it's just something I wanted. I wanted on my Vita while I was messing around doing other things. And uh, and then uh, last night I booted up Mega Man Eleven again, which I have not played since around the time we launched this show back in 2018. Oh and wow! I didn't like Mega Man Eleven that much. I just I feel like when Mega Man is the classic Mega Man games were removed from 8-bit aesthetic. It just doesn't work for me. So that's like 7 and 8. And then when they went back to 9 and 10 with any creates making those games, they were awesome. So 11 is 2.5D. I'm not really crazy about that. I didn't really like the characters and all of that, but I'm playing it again. It's clicking with me a little bit more. I wanted to just, I beat it and stuff, but I uh, uh, this time around, I want to like spend a little more time with it. So I have a little bit of free time now because Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us are behind us. We're still kind of waiting for The games that are still coming, the big ones like that we would do a spoiler cast for like Cyberpunk. So yeah, yeah, so Mega Man 11 is the other game I've been booting up, but it's just been nice to it was nice to get rid of Ghost of Tsushima off my cross media bar. Didn't want to look at it anymore. (laughs) Now, we have a question here because another thing I didn't bring up is uh, Platinums. Delilah Lugo wrote in, though, and she said, hi, tantalizing Colin and Janky Chris. Colin, are you purposely making Twin Breaker your 100th Platinum because your Platinum milestones need to be worthy? Do both of you go out of your way to make sure Platinum Milestones are our beloved games? I do. I sacrifice earning just any Platinum 100 on December 31st, 2019 in efforts to make Sekiro my 100th Platinum in first of 2020. Not nearly as cool as Platinuming my own game. It's also my 33rd birthday, and I don't know if you give a shit about that detail enough for this question to earn any air on the show, but I tried. Oh, well, happy birthday, Delilah. Thank yeah, you happy for writing in. Now, yeah, so I've Platinum Twinbreaker four times. And <laughs> jeez. Uh I made sure that the platinum for Twin Breaker the last one was the 100th one I did do that on purpose. Ghost of Tsushima was 101. So uh I platinum Twin Breaker uh digitally on PS4, digitally on Vita and then the physical versions on PS4 and Vita have their own lists. So I just did it all again. And uh it is my game. So I felt like I needed to do that. Yeah.
4: That is fair. I think um like I, I, it's funny because it's like, oh, do you make do you make sure your platinums, your platinum milestones are for beloved games? And I, I, I just do that with platinums.
3: Period. Yeah. No, it's I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that because you're right. Like the platinum, the Crash Team Racing one, for instance. You're just, which is I. So I have 101 platinums. I think the CTR platinum might be a tougher, like percentage platinum than almost any of them I have. There might be like one or two that I have that are that hard, like Shovel Knight, and yeah. maybe one or two others. So bravo to you. I mean, I was looking at the Mega Man 11 platinum, which I'd love to get. But it's so it's so hard. And I'm so old. I'm just so (laughs) old. You know, I just can't play the way I used to play. It, It doesn't work for me. Also, we haven't talked about the Avengers too much, but Kyle Carroll wrote into us and said, Howdy, boys. Hope there's only good vibes for you this week. Thank you. So the Avengers beta was the most downloaded beta in PlayStation history. And he's using beta in quotes, by the way. And after hearing and seeing a vast majority of participants say it was a hot mess littered with bugs and tedious gameplay, I can only scoff at this accomplishment. I didn't try the beta myself, but I'm curious if either of you gave it a shot and had any thoughts. Also, any last minute predictions to make as to how the full game will be received critically and commercially? So the game's out, Mm -hmm. I think, right? Or soon it will soon be out. No, it is out. I think I think it's out. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah, look it up. I think it might be out next week, maybe. But I want people to write in about this game. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because I wanted to, I want people to write in about it because it's not a game I'm going to play. I imagine Chris is not going to play it either, but it it does seem to be a game that we should talk about. So we definitely want your feedback on it. Did you find anything about the release date? It might be next week.
4: I think, um, it's weird. It's usually, it usually shows up release date
3: September 4th. Yeah. So it's out tonight. Yep. It'll be out the day this goes live on Patreon. So let us know what you guys think. I'm really eager to see how it is received. It will also be coming to PlayStation 5 at launch whenever that is. <laughs> yeah. I this is I'll be real. Like this is a game that I'm I'm curious to
4: play. Like I do want to play it, but it's just like it, you, you ever have a game that you, you you're really curious about but you you can't bring yourself to buy it for whatever reason? Sure. Yeah, all the I, time. I, yeah it's it's one of these where like, man, I don't really know if I want to give money to this because <laughs> I just i I don't agree with like the monetization model. I think it's like kind of egregious. Uh, I also just think it just doesn't look very good. uh I, I was going to play the beta because a friend of mine got like uh an access code because it, it was I think it was initially like supposed to be like a pre-order only beta like initially and then and then it went to open beta like later on. And obviously, these aren't
3: really betas. These are these right. Are no, that's why. That's why I noted that in his letter, Kyle uses the word beta every time in quotes.
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a server stress test. So it's it's a it's a beta for the servers, but not for the actual game. The game is set in stone. Uh, the game, as you see in the beta, is is the game that's going to be out tomorrow for you to play, or today if you're listening. And it just looks like a mess. And a friend, one of my roommates, was like, "Hey, I got in. I I pre ordered, and I got I I got a beta thing." And he was trying to download it, but he needed like he needed like a Square Enix account and it just wasn't working for him. So he was just like, "Ah, all right, I guess I just won't play this.
3: Yeah, that's annoying as shit. I did read that you do need a Square account to use it, which is obnoxious. It It reminds me of the old Uplay days.
4: Yeah, uh, with I, I'm getting
3: I'm getting real sick of this, like sign
4: into your oh, sign into your PlayStation account and then sign into your your Bethesda account or like your Square account or whatever the hell other account you need just to play this game that you already paid for. It's getting really sick and tiring um, as much as I love Doom Eternal. That was one thing that really bothered the hell out of me was that you needed to sign into your Bethesda.net or whatever. Right. Was like,
3: dude, to to circumvent. I, I fuck, I forgot about this, but to circumvent that I would take my PSN offline. And then start the game so I didn't have to sign in. That's yeah. the only, that, that is, I don't know if they patched it out, but that is lit- if you are connected to the PSN, you cannot play Doom Eternal without signing into a Bethesda account. They will not let you do it. It's really I literally stupid. had to disconnect the internet from my console in order to play the game that way. It's yeah. fucking stupid. It's really a sad
4: thing that like everything that's bad about Bethesda games is literally just the fact that they're tied
3: to Bethesda. Because otherwise, (laughs) Doom Eternal is just so good. Yeah, no, I agree. It 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 is. Yeah, there's no way id was like let's let's ever have everyone sign into their Bethesda net accounts when when they sign into our game and really annoy the shit out of everyone while they're playing it. I'm sure they're gonna love that. Good game, nonetheless. All right, Chris, let's get into the news. There are a few things of note to get into this week. Okay. Number one, if a posting from publisher Ubisoft is to be believed. PlayStation 5 won't be backwards compatible with PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 games, neither physically nor digitally, at least not natively or right away. This doesn't come as a huge surprise, of course, but it should tamp down speculation as to PS5's capabilities with older generation games and does come from a source in Ubisoft that is one of Sony's most trusted, longest-tenured third-party publishing partners. So here's the rub. In a Ubisoft FAQ published to its official website entitled Transitioning PlayStation 4 Titles to Next-Gen Versions, the site once read in part, quote, Backwards compatibility will be available for supported PlayStation 4 titles, but will not be possible for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, or PlayStation games, end quote. We say once read because those details have since been edited out. While Sony has long since confirmed near ubiquitous backwards compatibility from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5, meaning PS4 games will be playable on PS5, it seemed likely that PlayStation Now, which already lets players stream PS3 games and download PS2 and PS4 games, would be the old school solution. Ubisoft's since scrubbed note seems to confirm what was already deemed Inevitable. Brent Hooper wrote into us on Patreon about this. He says, Colin and Chris, hello to you both. Ubisoft has supposedly leaked information stating that PS5 will not allow backwards compatibility for PS1, PS2, and PS3 games. This is rather upsetting to me as I have many physical games on those consoles and wouldn't mind a trip down memory lane from time to time. With Microsoft allowing Xbox the capability to play these older titles, do you think they might put these into PS Now at some point? Or do they just not give a shit? Thanks for all that you do. So Chris, this was making the rounds and... I don't know if it says what people are saying it says, but I also think that the end result is the same. It doesn't say that it's not technically possible. They're saying it seems like in their write up, it won't be possible for us to do this. Yeah. And I think people are reading into that differently. But I will just reiterate what I've been saying ad nauseum since that first Wired article came out last year. PlayStation 5 will not play PS1, PS2, or PS3 discs, and it will not natively connect to those games on PSN, and PlayStation Now will be the solution, and I think the only solution beyond and above that will be integrating PS1 games in the PS Now, which we don't yet have, and my assumption is that trophies might be the problem with that, because even the PS2 games you can play are Mm trophy-enabled, so that might be something that they're working on, I don't know, but this is a big story for people, and I just don't understand why everyone is so surprised. This was always... Going to be the case. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, it's not surprising, but it is, you know, this is the first time that there's been any real concrete detail about this, you know, like a, any real confirmation that, like, yeah, you know, PS1, PS2, PS3 off the table. Because up until now, it's just kind of been nebulously kind of assumed. Uh, so I think people are just, you know, I, I, I think rightfully ir- kind of irritated, especially when, you know, there is a situation here where the competition just happens to be doing this significantly better. And I think it's it's totally reasonable to be to expect better of of your machine of choice in the middle of like the like before a, genera- a new generation starts when you know this exact feature is, is kind of something that's being touted on Microsoft's side. I, I think it's a shame. Uh PS Now, I understand is their solution. My internet's never been particularly great. It's it's in this new apartment it is significantly better. Uh, it's been like kind of a little bit weird lately, but the second I moved into this new apartment with, like, my super good internet, I tried PlayStation Now. I played a little bit of Resistance 3, and it's unplayable. Like, it's, it's just, it's not a good solution for this problem, and I understand it might be their only solution for now, but it, it just, it doesn't, it, streaming old games just is not, is never going to beat just being able to play them natively. It just, it just isn't, and it's, it's frustrating. Because there's so many good games on PS3 that I want to play that I just, I can't play unless I want to dig out this old machine that, like, probably is going to take years to update.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it sucks to hear it, to, to hear this. I will say that Sony has no one to blame but themselves for this stuff because they just don't talk about anything. So, yeah. this, now we're left up to speculate based on a third party partner's, n- weird writing about their own games backwards compatibility and how they're going to do it and we're left to glean kind of information from that but i just don't think it's it's an effective way to communicate and i don't know why they have to be so obnoxious about just talking about this like wouldn't you just come out and say like listen we have playstation now the console is not going to play your ps3 games and the the uh there's an article from or an interview going around with uh, Jim Ryan, who's now the CEO of PlayStation. But at the time, he was just a, a regional head. And he had said that and he, and I remember ta- reading this and being like, I really appreciate this candor. He was at a Gran Turismo event. It might have been for Gran Turismo Sport or something. And they were talking about backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility and, and playing old games and such. And he said something like at this Gran Turismo event, we had all the Gran Turismo games set up and Gran Turismo one and two look awful. Why would you even want to play them? That's what he said. In so many words, I mean, he really did say like they don't even look good and stuff like that. And I'm like, I appreciate that. Maybe you should talk a little bit more about how niche of a thing this is, that no one cares about backwards compatibility. And I want to say no one, but very few people care about it. Right. Remember that they, they removed the PS3 backwards compatibility from from that console at some point because no one was using it. And so I think we have to kind of look through the lens of, is this really going to be a thing that's usable? if not who cares about it and if not why does it matter yet sony is to blame because they just don't communicate they could have squashed this months ago and we would be talking about something else and maybe maybe the the line would be like well xbox does this better but maybe they do but i don't know. i just don't think it's that big of a deal you know i just don't know that it's that big of a deal i
4: think it's a big deal only because you know the 360 and uh xbox 1 have had you know, th- there's a, there's a significant focus on digital libraries, and there has been for a while. I only I, I do know it's only recently become like a majority thing, but there are there are titles that I have downloaded to my 360 that I can play still. You know, that I spent money on that are still good that are being upgraded just by nature of what machine it's being played on. You know, and that's a good that's an enticing feature, especially for people who've just. Put a lot of money into this ecosystem, who are who are now being rewarded for investing in that ecosystem. So to to have a situation where it's like, oh yeah, you know, it just won't play your older stuff, even even a lot of like PS4 games apparently, like because this is this says like for supported PS4 games. So not everything, presumably. I I don't know. I, I think it's a little weird to to kind of telegraph to your fan base that their investment in your platform in some ways isn't super wise i think that's a weird thing to to kind of s- set as a precedent
3: yeah well hopefully the new precedent is that we'll have ubiquitous backwards compatibility with everything from 2013 onward yeah,
4: yeah and hopefully. so that will
3: become less of a or most like you said a, we, we don't really know that either because they're being really cagey but this is why you got to communicate and yeah it's become a joke now at this point on this show but
4: it wouldn't have even been that big of a deal if they just like said it like really, 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 really early on. If they were
3: like, "Now nah, this is a new machine," I think that's a good. I think that's a valid answer too. I really do personally think that that's a valid answer. Yeah, I mean, I think like it's, this is a new machine, man. The games from nineteen ninety five are not going to work on our machine from twenty twenty. I'm sorry. Yeah, you I know? think
4: it's. I think it's. I think it's fine. Uh, it'd be better if it did, but like you know, it's a totally fine answer. But the, the fact that they've been so cagey about it, and the fact that there's so much, there's so little time between now and when the presumable, when when the assumed release date of these machines are, that it's just like. Really, we're finding out about this now. This is like something that you should have gotten out of the way in January. Yeah, it's
3: like the it's the it reminds me of Vita a lot with finding out what the memory cards cost, like three weeks before the literally three weeks before the hardware came out. So, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it is weird stuff that's going on. We can't we'll talk about PS now in a little while, but we can't overlook the idea too that backwards compatibility might actually cost Sony money, not only literally in the chipsets and all of that, but they want to sell these games again getting you to buy PS now or get a PS now subscription is what they want. That's what they want. So we'll see. Maybe we'll yeah. get an answer one day. Yeah.
0: Maybe. What's going to end up
3: happening is that we're going to have PS fives and then we're just going to try putting PS one discs in and see if it works or not.
0: Cause sony's <laughs> not going to
3: say anything. <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I will say though, like grant Gran Turismo as an example is kind of like, I mean, obviously you're not, you're not going to grant like those racing games are literally all about the graphics. <laughs> like it's, it's almost like their, their intention. So those games, I, I don't think necessarily are that big of a deal, but like they're, they're, you know, I would still play the, like the original CTR and like the original crash, even though they look sure. like shit because they just sure. play uniquely.
3: I just, I appreciated the candor of saying like, come on, man. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. Which, which I, I think, I think more, more executives need to do that to be like Come on. I wish that they would just be more specific since they heat map everything on their consoles and they know exactly how many people are using all their stuff. They should just say like, listen, no one uses backwards compatibility. I wish they would just say that instead of, you know, with PS3, for instance, when they removed the PS2 backwards compatibility stuff, they should have just in the emotion engine or whatever. They should have just said no one uses it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. the same thing with Linux support and all that other stuff that they removed. These things don't happen in a vacuum. So anyway, we'll continue to watch this and maybe have official word from Sony soon Number two, Sony-owned studio Media Molecule is losing one of its co-founders and longest tenured employees. Alex Evans, who co-founded the team back in 2006 and acts as its technical director, has revealed on Twitter that he is leaving the team after 14 years and that it's unknown if he'll even stay in the gaming industry. Over a series of tweets, Evans wrote, quote, so a few months ago, I did a bit of a lockdown inspired soul searching and decided to step down from Dreams Dev to Dreams Fan to take a bit of a break from Game Dev, a career I've been lucky enough to enjoy since I was a spotty 15-year-old. Media Molecule is a wonderful place. I can't imagine making games anywhere else. But I wondered what else an old fart like me could do in this world. I've been in the game dev bubble for so long. I'm not sure what's next or even out there for someone like me. For anyone worrying about dreams, don't. What Media Molecule is doing on dreams at the moment is going to blow your minds. And though I'll miss them all, I'll be I'll be cheering from the sidelines, end quote. Media Molecule's first game, A Little Big Planet, launched on PS3 in 2008. And in 2010, the studio was purchased outright by Sony, joining the first party. The team followed it up with Little Big Planet 2 on PS3 in 2011 and Tearaway on Vita in 2013 and PS4 in 2015. It's long in development and obviously struggling creation engine Dreams launched earlier this year. I'm not sure if I should read into this so, uh, too much or not. Alex Evans was pretty central to Dreams. This is a technical game and he is the technical director of the studio. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of this because other people that are working there that have in the studio are still there. Do you think there's anything here or is it he just want to move on? you think it's just a coincidence I, I do think it's just a
4: coincidence. like usually, if if something's up, more people leave or like there's a little bit more um there's a little bit more to go on but and it, I mean, it's no secret like Dreams has been, had like a pretty pretty confusing development. It's, it's not exactly had like the the tightest seal around that company, so I feel like if anything was happening, we'd probably know about it. Mm. i yeah, I, I do think it genuinely is like I, I think this pandemic is actually like really messing with people. And just putting them in a situation where like this is this is something that I could totally see happening to someone if they're just like, yeah, you know, I mean, f- fuck, I got to gotta, I got
3: to do something. Yeah, I, I don't. I He see the thing about a technical director is that he has skill sets that are good for any technical endeavor. So he could move to a, another vertical outside of within Sony, but certainly outside and go work on something else in the technical realm. So. We wish him the very best. I've met Alex and he's a really nice guy. They're all really nice at Media Molecule, which is why I want their games to do well. But Dreams is clearly struggling. I'm interested to see what he's talking about with what they're working on. I don't know. I'm sick of being told that Dreams is going to blow my mind. I've been been being told that for the better part of a decade now. So I'm over that whole thing. But I am interested to see how they're going to adapt it. And obviously, it'll be coming to PS5 and to PC at some point as well. Speaking of PC, number three on the back of the release of Horizon Zero Dawn on PC, a Sony first-party AAA game that was a one-time a PS4 exclusive, it appears Sony has every intention of continuing to port its games to the world's most ubiquitous platform. Their recent financial reports note, in part, that the company quote will explore expanding our first-party titles to the PC platform in order to promote further growth in our profitability." End quote. While Horizon wasn't the first Sony published game to migrate to PC. Titles from Divers to Journey to Flower have done so in the past. It is the first time Sony ported a major AAA exclusive off of their own hardware and published it on their own. The Sony-funded, Kojima-created second-party game, uh, the PS4-exclusive Death Stranding, funded and published by Sony, has since migrated to PC via Publisher 505 Games. As pointed out later in the financial statement, Sony sees PC itself as a major competitor, and therefore, quote, "...the fundamental growth strategy will be to innovate and evolve the PlayStation platform." To this end, SIE intends to make proactive investments to reinforce content IP and work to raise brand value and foster communities and user engagement, end quote. This isn't a huge surprise, but it's them putting it in writing. Horizon has not been well-received on PC, nor has it sold well. So Mm -hmm. this is a a first foray for them. What do you think about them continuing to explore? And I'm curious what you think the next game will be. Yeah,
4: I I think... I think it's cool. I think it's smart. I think I, I really do think we're heading in a direction where your your piece of plastic really you know, like the main reason why you're going to buy a piece of plastic is for the features and for the uh the feature sets and the and the unique things that you can do with that piece of plastic. I, I genuinely think that a lot of games are going to be available on like your phones and your computers and your TVs pretty pretty soon, if not at least in the next like fifteen years. I think that's where we're headed. So I think it's smart to just kind of you know dip your toes in a little bit, get your titles out on different platforms to start you know fostering, or start planting the seeds for little communities off of your own platform. I think it's I think it's smart. I think I, I think it's smart, especially to do it with games that have been out for a while. Because yeah, uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask, what do you think? What do you think's next? If I man, if if I were to guess, and I know this is kind of like a wild guess, and I'm I'm not really. All that confident, but I, I I would, I wouldn't be surprised if God of War made it to PC.
3: Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I think that's got to be the next one.
4: Yeah, I I mean, God of War is like a a more traditionally like um Sony branded kind of franchise. I, 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 I know that Horizon had a unique advantage in in moving to PC after after a while being out on PlayStation because it's not it doesn't have a history of being like tied to sony for so long so it kind of has this like oh yeah yeah you could put a game like that on pc and it's not that big of a loss for our first party but I, I i do think that because they're because they're officially open about wanting to put their games on on different platforms i i think it makes sense to take god of war which has definitely sold the overwhelming majority of copies that it's ever going to sell already and move that to a platform that um is probably
3: eager to play it yeah i <laughs> so I don't think it's a coincidence that two Decima games were the first games to migrate, even though one went through another publisher in Death Stranding and in Horizon. God of War is on a proprietary engine from Sony Santa Monica. And so I wonder if it's now maybe they want to explore porting some of these other things and doing the work. The other game that came to mind for me was Days Gone just because it runs on Unreal. So that should be.
0: Yeah, a I game can see that
3: could make the move rather easily, and I kind of feel like Days Gone might do pretty well on PC, but I don't know. I thought Horizon was going to do pretty well too, and it—I mean, it's not to say that Horizon didn't sell; it's just to say it's pretty soft and it—it it needs to be patched still, I think. Yeah, so. yeah.
4: It, it's not the best port from from what I heard. I, I also—I don't know, man. I Horizon was just one of those games that I, I tried so many times to to get into, but something about it just put me off. I I think I especially did myself a disservice by starting it and then going to Ghost of Tsushima, which I actually like super, super loved, which, and and they're like, they're not the same game, but they're, you know, functionally in how you play, they're kind of super similar. You know, it's a third person, you know, action adventure. You you use a bow, you hit things with a stick. The controls are a little different, but it really kind of soured me on it. like, and I wonder, I, I was actually going to jump into the PC version because I was like, oh, maybe the frame rate is what's doing it. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I jump it onto PC and the frame rate's good. But then I heard all this weird shit about the
3: PC port being weird. And I was like, oh, man, goddamn. Yeah, it's too bad that they didn't uh, get it right. I don't because they must have known something was wrong with the port. And I don't really know what the impetus was for them to just hit that release date. Like, why didn't they just hold it? No one. Sony has really no first party presence on Steam. So why? Why rush it? Why not make it really good? I, that's the one thing I'm a little confused about, was like, why not why not make it excellent so that there's no skepticism about the next games you release yeah. from your first-party AAA studios? Again, we've got games like Arrowheads, Helldivers, and all that stuff, and that all runs fine on PC, but those are not AAA-exclusive games, so I just feel like they needed to do a little bit better on this front, and it was a little surprising, actually, that the game didn't perform better, so... But they're going to keep doing it because it is free money. That's the other thing is that this is free money. They're talking about their profitability, obviously, in their financial statements and increasing that profitability. The game's already done, has been done for years. It's extracted all of its value on PS4. So porting it is just all profit. So yeah. they'll continue to do these things. I think you and I are in the same agreement, though. I think God of War will be next and we mm-hmm. will find out soon enough if that is true. Number four, Sony's financials likewise give us a tiny glimpse into its intentions, for its first-party studios moving forward, as well as speaking to the importance of acquiring new teams and technologies and securing its own IP. The financial report states in part, quote, game titles are the primary, con- are the primary content IP for game and network services. First-party titles developed and sold by the platform owner are particularly important as content IP for future value creation and earnings. In addition to improving the personnel and work environment in its own studios, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to invest in or acquire firms with abundant creativity and cutting-edge technologies to build up Worldwide Studios, an association of first-party title production studios. Most recently, in August 2019, it acquired Insomniac Games, a longtime Sony partner that has developed many hit titles. As of May 31st, 2020, Worldwide Studios owns 14 studios and has become one of the world's leading game developer networks. With hit series like The Last of Us, God of War, and Uncharted, It is a strong engine for content IP production. Third-party titles, meaning IP developed by game software developers outside of the Sony group, also play an important role in indirectly enhancing the appeal of the PlayStation platform and its user community. Sony offers various forms of assistance, such as sharing its libraries and providing technical support to creators, including independent studios, to facilitate the best game development environment possible, end quote. So... First of all, I don't know why they have to talk like robots in these financial statements, but <laughs> that, that's a big thing. But they talk about insomniac. They, they talk about acquisition of new studios here. The interesting thing that I thought that was going underreported as I was reading this was that they wanted to create the, and they say here, in addition to improving the personnel and work environment in its own studios. It makes me wonder what they're hearing about their own teams because outside of Naughty Dog, which gets shit on a lot, we don't really hear too much about the inner workings of their studios in terms of drama or impropriety and i'm wondering if they're hearing other things or if this is them just being proactive considering the the nature of what's going on in the industry right now
4: yeah I, i i wouldn't be surprised to hear that it's a bit of both you know i mean obviously when you have a company with hundreds of people working at it there's obviously going to be at least like a couple people who are like fucking crazy or like uh just complete assholes uh so I would I would imagine that it's a it's a it's a mix of both. I, I would say that it's probably like some, some people complaining to HR about things that are legitimate and also just being like, hey, you know, this is this exists, so let's uh let's just kind of nip it in the bud before it gets too big. I could see I could see it being a situation like that. Well,
3: I'm more excited to see what the next studio is that they're gonna buy. Yeah. It'd be really interesting. I still say Blue Point, but we will find out. Number five, Sony's recent financial report also gives us a great glimpse into various interesting numbers when it comes to PlayStation 4 consoles sold, as well as users on PSN and other various subscriptions. As of June 30th, 2020, so about two months ago, Sony had pushed 112.1 million PS4s, meaning it's still the second best selling home console of all time, only behind PlayStation 2 at its likely insurmountable 150 plus million units. Meanwhile, PlayStation Network has 113 million active users with 45 million users paying for PS Plus subscriptions and a much lower but still growing 2.2 million subscribers on PlayStation Now. The latter is an especially key indicator of PlayStation's future success, as here in September, the service has added Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Final Fantasy 15, and WWE 2K19 to its expansive roster. So 112 million PS4s we already kind of knew. The interesting thing is 113 million monthly active PSN users which is incredible. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And then 45 million people paying for PS Plus every month. That's just latent revenue for them. 2.2 million subscribers on PS Now is way lower than Microsoft with its uh, Game Pass. But I think they're growing it and I'm confident in these PS and these PS Now numbers. I'm glad to see them. Uh, any of these numbers stand out to you as good or bad? Uh, I mean, it's all good. You know, it seems like it's uh, one th- 113
4: million active users is huge. That's like really amazing. It's incredible. It's an incredible number. But yeah, but I, I do, man, I, I really do think PlayStation Now is, is uh, I don't know, like as somebody who like use it, try or attempts to use it, you know, like I, I, I don't see that number getting all that much bigger unless they do some serious, serious overhauls to how that experience works because it's really inelegant. Like, I don't know if you've used it at all, but I haven't. I've not used it still it's it's very weird it it feels kind of janky it's it's the 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 cloud servers are just like not up to par i think it's good that it's being it's it's growing but
3: it it could grow a lot more if it was just not so limited yeah i'll be interested to see how they tie this in i mean we've talked about this ad nauseum but will they tie it in the playstation plus are they going to have some sort of discount are they really going to push this as a service is are they going to talk a lot about ps now when they talk about the lack the likely lack of legacy backwards compatibility. So there's a lot to discuss here, but PS Plus seems to be doing strong. PS4 sputtering out a little bit, but that's not surprising, I don't think. I wonder if we're going to get another big PS4 price cut, which I think would be awesome. I think they could probably sell another 15 million of them or so if they cut the price again. Yeah. And PS5 is, I think, going to be very scarce. It seems obvious. So people still might be interested in buying PS4s, but it's going to sputter out well before that 150 million unit. Because I know that there was a lot of interest in when when it was really rolling, like, are they really going to push one hundred and fifty million of these things? But I don't think it's going to happen because they don't have the they're not breaking into into emerging markets after the fact anymore like they used to. And obviously, the DVD player thing is just not relevant on uh, the Blu-ray service of the uh, PS4. It's just not as important. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Number six. For weeks, we've been talking about Warner Brothers gaming division, WB Interactive, and the plan for its parent company, AT&T, to spin off and potentially sell the entire vertical, largely to pay down its debt. These compelling rumors included word that many interested suitors, including EA and Activision, were expressing interest in the purchase, but it was more recently reported that WB Interactive has been taken off the market in the wake of the reveal of two major WBI games, 2021's Gotham Knights and 2022's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Now, according to reporting by website Bloomberg, We seem to have definitive word that AT&T is no longer selling, quote, deciding it was too valuable to unload during its effort to pay down debt and streamline, end quote. The reported price for WBI's vertical was around $4 billion and would have included all of its studios as well as the IP it actually owns. Bloomberg reports that in addition to EA and Activision, Take-Two Interactive and Microsoft were also potential suitors. The article does note that the vertical could be put back on the market, though it's unlikely in the near term. WB Interactive is the owner of five core studios, in addition to its WB branded studios like WB Montreal, Mortal Kombat Dev Netherrealm, RPG Studio Monolith, X Disney Studio Avalanche Software, Lego Masters TT Games, and Arkham Centric Rocksteady. They also own IP like Mortal Kombat. So the word is that this isn't going to happen after all. Now we got this word. Word was coming down on high from various rumors a week or two ago that this was getting the kibosh was being put on this, but I'm glad that this article, Chris notes the obvious that Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad are huge games. Why would you unload WB Interactive when they're finally going to bear fruit for the first time in a while? Plus, you have your Lego games and all that other stuff. So any surprises here? Who would you have wanted to see them? Who would you want? Would would have wanted them to land with if, if uh, the suitors were able to have their way? Um, Man, yeah,
4: I, I think. I I'm really curious as to how I feel like take two would have been an interesting would have been an interesting uh, acquisition. I do think if it really came down to it, though, like if this if this acquisition did actually go through, I think Microsoft would have got them. just because I think Microsoft has so has such a uniquely large amount of money to just throw at anything that like I, I just don't think they would have. I don't think EA or Activision could really compete with it, and and they also just have very, they probably have the most reason to invest in something like that,
3: but take two would have been interesting yeah take two i think is the friendliest of those companies to yeah. have taken them over with 2k and private division and all of that i think microsoft though i agree with you would have been the most interesting one just to see how that would have played out because i don't think that they would have sealed that off i i i think that they would have re- i don't think those studios would have joined microsoft game studios i think that they would have been kept separate as like some sort of outside vertical of that would still make all of their games for all platforms, which is something Microsoft is still doing. I mean, Wasteland three just came to PS4 or is coming to PS4 shortly. Yeah. And that's that's literally an in exile game. And they bought in exile two years ago. So it is super interesting to think about them joining the Microsoft first party. And like, what is Monolith and Netherrealm and all of these teams? I mean, that would have been a huge get. The interesting and conspicuous thing, though, in reading all the rumors, including the Bloomberg stuff, is that Sony is never mentioned. Like, it doesn't seem like Sony ever made a play, which. I don't know if that's wise or not, but I don't know that these studios are that valuable without the IP, and I don't know. NetherRealm would have been interesting because they don't have a fighting team, and Monolith obviously a good role-playing game team. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Sony would. I,
4: I don't think Sony would have benefited nearly as much, just because like the biggest the biggest things that come out of um, the I, I feel like outside of Mortal Kombat, I feel like the biggest things that come out of uh, this deal are Rocksteady uh and you know does sony really need another studio that's really good at making third person action adventure games I, I don't think so
3: yeah exactly <laughs> like it, um it's exactly right yeah it would have been cool avalanche is interesting this isn't avalanche the the european one this is the american one they're a children's software company mostly that would have been pretty interesting to get although i don't know that playstation's necessarily making a play for that and obviously a lot of these studios are are dependent on ip that WB might own with DC and others but that WBI wouldn't get. So how valuable is Rocksteady without the DC license? Yeah. anymore. I don't Obviously they would get Justice League out and stuff but like the same thing with TT Games and the, and they're totally dependent on Lego. So does that come with it? I don't I don't know. I mean it, it's it was never made clear and probably will never be made clear because the discussions were preliminary what was going to come with that 4 billion dollars. But that's a lot of money and I think you're right. Microsoft would have been able to easily out bid any of these suitors if they really wanted to. But I'm I'm ha- I mean, I think this is the best possible outcome to keep them apart yeah, and definitely. see what they can do. Number seven, Ubisoft's long in development game Gods and Monsters has been renamed according to a tweet from Ubisoft's official UK account. The game is now called Immortals Phoenix Rising. That's F-E-N-Y-X. And the publisher is prepared to show it off in the coming weeks. The game, which revolves around mythology of Greek gods, was first revealed at E3 in 2019 is yet another Ubisoft open world title. However, things went relatively quiet after last year's reveal, and it was long assumed the game would appear at some point this summer. Ubisoft's first digital event went without more of the game, but it's primed to be shown off at the next Ubisoft event, which we'll discuss during the next episode of Sacred Symbols. It has so far only been announced for current-gen platforms, but it's fairly safe to assume that it's also migrated to next-gen platforms like PS5, which will certainly be discussed during its re-reveal. I don't like this new game, this new name. I think Gods and Monsters is a way cooler name. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I I
4: feel like I feel like this new name is this new name is somehow more generic than Gods and Monsters is, and Gods and Monsters is literally just two words. You know, you know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. agree. Gods and Monsters isn't inherently interesting, but I do think I do think it's a good name for whatever the hell they were showing. Whereas, like, like this sounds like a mobile game,
3: Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, it's bad. It's a that's a name. really terrible... Like, it's actively bad. Yeah, I wonder if they had some sort of licensing issue. But you'd think that a company like Ubisoft would know that before they announced the game because they have to trademark all these names in all these regions. They might have a problem with that. For instance, that's why Mega Man is called Mega Man in the United States is because Rockman, which is what it's actually called, the series, was already trademarked. So they had a name of something else.
4: It's called Rock Man in Japan, right?
3: Yeah, Rockman, right. Why
4: is it that, like... I don't know. Maybe this is just cultural bias, but I always feel like like Mega Man and Resident Evil there's such so, there's so much better names to me than like Rockman and Biohazard.
3: Yeah, I agree you with know? you, especially with Biohazard. I think the the Rockman thing, see Rockman requires too much exposition because the game is the idea is rock paper scissors. Like Different things beat different things, and that's what Mega Man's all about. Yeah. So that's kind of the emphasis that they place on Rockman, and then also the musical themes like rock and roll. Roll is Mega Man's sister, but she's still called Mega Man and Roll in the West, so it's just weird. Anyway, you would think Ubisoft would know that, so I don't think that that is the problem. I think that they just maybe renamed it. It could have something to do with some sort of legacy with some of these dudes they fired that were doing a bunch of fucked up things. Maybe they don't want an association with them. I don't know. If that's it, that's just speculation, but... I agree with you. I think they're both pretty generic names, but I think gods and monsters is a way cooler name, especially because I think it was gods ampersand monsters, which is just a little more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. yeah, It's
4: It's, they're both generic, but one is at least. I I don't don't even I can't even really describe why gods and monsters is more interesting because it really has no right to be, but it it just is. Yeah. I think everybody kind of listening kind of understands
3: that. Sure. I, I also think this name Phoenix rising would have been better by itself. Like, Just call it Phoenix Rising. Maybe would have have been way than Immortals. I mean, we're going to I think in the fucking drop, there is a game called Immortals coming out. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Number eight celebrated indie studio of is no more. The Dutch two man team started back in 2010 and released some beloved so-called indie games when the moniker was rare, when fewer indies were making games, and when it was easier to rise at the top. According to the studio's two founders, Rami Ismail and Jan Willem Nijman, The team has shut down on its 10th anniversary, September 1st, 2020, having gone the last five years without releasing a game. 2010's iOS smash hit Super Crate Box was the beginning of their run, which included another iOS hit in 2013's Ridiculous Fishing, before the team migrated to console and handheld too. 2014's Luftrausers, which came to both PS3 and Vita, and 2015's Nuclear Throne, which came to PS4 and Vita, are amongst the most beloved indie games on the PS Vita in particular, and Vlambeer was an early proponent of Sony's second handheld initiative. The two men intend on continuing in their games, in the games industry on their own and with other teams following the release of their long-in-development survival game Ultra Bugs, which doesn't seem to be PlayStation-bound. This was an interesting one. Rami Ismail is a really fascinating guy. He's a really vocal... Everyone that follows games on Twitter knows Rami Ismail, I think. Yeah. He has a lot to say about a lot of things. Jan-Willem Nijman, I've never met. He blocked me on Twitter, so I've never even talked to him. I don't know what he's all about. But I thought this was interesting because Vlambeer has got taken a lot of criticism, and I think rightfully so, because some of their games are just straight up broken, like nuclear Throne, I think, on Vita is just fucked up in some ways. And they just never fix them, which is unacceptable. And I say that as someone who's now patched my game five times to fix really trivial shit. So you can definitely fix your game if you need to. So I I don't I don't I'm not down with excuses on that. But people will remember that like in the PS4 early at PS4 era and like the early to mid Vita era, Games like the and Nuclear Throne were really important to the, I guess, very subtle acquisition of Vita and making it an indie platform. And so to see them go away is a little weird. And I didn't realize until I was reading about them that they just haven't put out a game uh, since Nuclear Throne, which came out five years ago. So, uh, well, I'll be interested to see what they do. Are you into any of their games? Did you play any of that stuff, Or No, No, I'll be real. None of this. None of this sounds familiar at all. Super Crate Box and Ridiculous Fishing were huge. I remember that. But I don't play iOS games. so Yeah, me neither. I, I think um, the
4: only game on iOS that I played was um, something Sorcerer. So, oh my
3: swords God. Swords and Sorcery? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: That's the only one that I played. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't even really know what I was doing in it, but I, it was visually really pleasing.
3: Yeah, it's Swords and Sorcery, right? Like S W O R C. Yeah, yeah. Right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. I remember that game. So, yeah, I'm not an iOS guy, but they were there pretty early. 2010 is a pretty pretty prime time for iOS games if you had a good one you can make a lot of money so they made millions of dollars and they're fine and I think that that's why they didn't do anything after Nuclear Throne but wanted to give them a shout out nonetheless since they are no more and finally number nine is a lengthy wrap-up so strap in oh boy the official PlayStation blog reports that cyberpunk inspired game Cloudpunk comes to PS4 on October 15th and that action RPG Genshin Impact is coming to PS4 on September 28th. IGN reports that Poker Game Poker Club is coming to both PS4 and PS5 at an unknown point in the future, that Harmonix's promising upcoming rhythm game Fuser is coming to PS4 on November 10th, with its PS5 plans currently unclear, that multiplayer survival game Dead by Daylight is giving players free next-gen upgrades for current-gen owners, that survival game Vigor is coming to PS4 on November 25th, with a PS5 version also incoming, that narrative-driven platformer White Shadows is coming to PS5 in 2021, that management sim Space Crew is coming to PS4 on October 15th. That roguelite game Blade Assault is coming to PS4 at an unknown time in the future. That strategy game Blood Bowl 3 is coming to PS4 and PS5 in early 2021. That ninja stealth game Origami 2 is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. And that horror game Little Nightmares 2 has been given a release date and will launch on PS4 on February 11th next year with a PS5 port en route thereafter. Website Push Square reports that action game Araji, and Ancient Epic is coming to PS4 on October 15th. That nature driven game Away, their survival series, is coming to PS4 in early 2021. That the upcoming Sherlock Holmes game's first chapter will launch on PS4 and PS5 in 2021. And that action adventure game Minutes of Islands is coming to PS4 in 2021. And website Gamatsu reports that Shooter Scavenger is coming to PS4 at some point in 2021. That JRPG Edge of Eternity is coming to PS4 in the spring of 2021. That mystery game The Signifier is coming to PS4 in early 2021. That space shooter Rebel Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is coming to PS4 on September 22nd. That DRPG Vaporum Lockdown is coming to PS4 in 2021. That tactical RPG Iconfell is coming to PS4 on October 8th. That survival horror game Song of Horror is coming to PS4 on October 29th. That action RPG Monster Harvest is coming to PS4 at an unknown point in the future. That thriller game Transient is coming to PS4 in 2021. That puzzle game Cardo is coming to PS4 on October 27th. That action game Bada Space Station is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. That old school collection Tarkin Anthology Volume 1 and 2 are coming to PS4 at some unknown point in the future. That 3D games, the 3D game, I'm sorry, Aerial Knights Never yield which is an awesome name, is coming to PS5 in early 2021, that RTS, the Stone of Madness, is coming to PS4 in the spring of 2021, and that the Lord of the Rings Gollum, which we already knew was coming to PS5, will also be coming to PS4. The developers of eagerly anticipated RPG Chivalry 2 have announced that the game will receive a concurrent launch on PS4 and PS5 in 2021. And finally, Ubisoft and Division ma- developer Massive have has revealed a piece of Division 2 DLC that's quite appealing, a 100-floor skyscraper. I'm really excited about this. Have you read about this uh, DLC at all that they're doing?
4: No, I had no idea. What they're just adding like a like a real like a full like a full on skyscraper that like, yeah, it's gonna just... be a
3: hundred floors and you have to go through each floor. Every ten floors is a boss, and the idea is to get to the top. I think it sounds awesome. That's love that's it. a really cool that's a really cool idea. Yeah, I, I'm dig- I'm digging that. Should, I think it might be free as well. So that's that's cool. So keep an eye out for that. I love me the division two now, Chris. We're gonna do the new game releases. I want to kick it over to you because. You had expressed a concern to me when we recorded last week after we were done we usually do our decompression with each other for a moment before we go and I wanted to just give you time to talk about your concern about the way we do the drop.
4: Yeah, so uh I I I feel like the the my the the rumors of my cold dead heart I feel like have been greatly exaggerated because I, I we've been doing we've been doing this thing for the last like couple episodes where we've just sort of been making things up because the drop doesn't exist and I I kind of started to feel bad about it because we mentioned about those guys who were making that descenders game which is like this mountain bike kind of game that was on psn and they launched it and they couldn't find their game on the playstation store and we were reading it and it was just like oh well, we're not doing them any favors and i kind of felt like you know just because just because sony is screwing these people over doesn't mean that we should um it's kind of the way that i felt about it so i feel like i feel like we should just be honorable in some way and actually like read what the actual descriptions are uh, okay because we can still i feel like we can still have fun with it we still we had fun with it before sure um it's a shame that the drop just doesn't do this because i really i really do think it, it is sony's fault that th- all this is happening but st- i don't know i i feel some semblance of responsibility for like letting people know what's actually out and also if you're a de- if you're a dev listening i, I bet it sucks
3: <laughs> Yeah, so I know I totally I think what you're saying is true. I think you're right. I think a lot of the audience has been writing in about their concerns about this too. So you're right. We're gonna go back to the old format for the drop. And what I did, Chris, was I just went into the PlayStation store and organized it by new game releases and then went into each game page and tried to distill what they say about their own games into something that's somewhat manageable. These are all longer than the old drop descriptions, but not too much longer. So hopefully this will be a little bit more fair. Yeah, yeah, Um, and equitable to everyone that's involved. And uh, tradition dictates that you begin. So I kick it over to you. All righty. A hero and a garden comes to PS4. Once upon a time,
4: there was a princess trapped in a tower by an evil witch. Would anyone attempt to rescue her? A brave hero attempted to rescue her, but things didn't exactly work out for him. In a twist of fate, our young hero is forced to replay all the damage he caused to the local monster villages by <gasps> growing a garden? <laughs> Harve- <laughs> Jeez. Harvest berries, fulfill requests. <laughs> fulfill requests. And repair-, <laughs> repair the local monster town in this unique visual novel clicker game. Earn enough money to pay, pay back the witch and experience unique character
3: endings. Novel clicker game. All right. Yeah. I think we call that you, a love, you love those, right? I love novel clicker games. Uh, all right. Hero in a garden. That is Alphadia Genesis comes to PS4. Having been at peace for only 15 years since the end of the energy war, the kingdoms of Arclane and Jiz- and Galsbane are once again, I hate made up words, are once again, <laughs> but I know that because I'm writing a JRPG and I'm making up all sorts of shit now, are once again thrust on a center stage after a murder perpetrated by a clone comes to light. Hoping the treaty signed to end the use of the clones for conventional warfare has not been violated. A joint investigative team is put together to find out the cause and bring those responsible to justice. However, the adventure appears to be far more volatile than anyone could have first imagined. Sounds kind of cool. Yeah.
4: Arai and the Secret of Seasons. Comes to PS4. Arai and the Secret of Seasons is an award winning adventure game following a young girl named Ariel or. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Ari? This is
3: what you wanted. You asked for this.
4: Yeah, I, I know.
3: <laughs> you could have All just right. been making this up right now.
4: Yeah, I, I guess I could. As she as she as she journeys across the great world of Valdi by becoming the guardian of winter, Ari or Ari or whatever the hell gains the ability to manipulate uh, the seasons around her. Ari will uh, Ari will learn to control the seasons and use them to defeat enemies, overcome obstacles, and solve complex puzzles on her adventures across Valdi.
3: That was like one long stroke that you had there. Yeah, yeah I, it felt like one too. Yeah. Captain Subasa: Rise of the New Champions comes to PS4. Captain Tsubasa, Rise of the New Champions, based on the globally beloved anime series, is an action soccer game featuring the latest graphics and super plays anyone can enjoy. Get a real taste for the world of Captain Tsubasa through two story modes to savor the drama alongside the cap the action in Captain Tsubasa. Say Captain Tsubasa one more time. We've prepared Episode <laughs> Tsubasa, a story yeah. mode where you can experience the events as seen in the anime. Additionally, become a part of the world of Captain Tsubasa as you play through Episode New Hero, an original story mode found in this game. <laughs> Dude, that's so many subasses, dude. I know it's too much. Oh my god,
4: Educa- <laughs> educational games for kids it comes to PS4. You are a parent, and you are trying to relax a little by playing your favorite game. Your child keeps asking you to let them try it, but this game is not suitable for children. Suitable for children because it's a little scary and not educational at all. Well, geez, so it's a, little, it's a awesome. bit of a burn. Yeah. Uh, does this situation sound familiar? At last, a well-thought-out, smart, polished, console-quality, educational game pack is out for your kids. Suitable from boys and girls, ages 3 to 18. I hope Math Blaster is in this.
3: Oh, that would be awesome. I love Math Blasters. Yeah. Like, unironically. I thought for a second they were going to be like, this is, this is literally just a game called Educational Games for Kids, but it's like something horrifying, which I think would have been even funnier, but they actually didn't go there. Oh uh, yeah, that would, be, that would be amazing. That would be fucking cool as hell. I'm going to write that, that idea down. Uh, the next game is F1 2020 on PS4. I'll skip it because it's a racing game. It's just a bunch of features and I didn't distill it into anything. So I'll move on to Immortal Realms. I told you. Yeah. Vampire Wars comes to PS4. Immortal Realms: Vampire Wars is an engaging strategy game set in a dark vampire world in turmoil. I would assume every vampire world was in turmoil. Yeah. That combines empire management and turn-based combat with unique card game elements. This actually sounds kind of cool. Descend into a mythical world filled with horrors and legends, and hurl yourself into a compelling gothic epos. Uh, epos. I don't know how to say that. I don't even know what that word is. Paired with a challenging game experience. I don't. I've never seen this word in my life. I'm going to look it up. Yeah.
4: What? I'm pretty good with uh, vocab, vocabulary, but like, what the.
3: E.P.O.S., uh, a group of poems transmitted orally concerned with parts of a common epic theme. All right. Fucking nerds.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, they're really loud idiots, like fucking crash team racing around my house right now. It's the Hell's Angels out there right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's big. uh, It's Gay Tony. Gay Tony. (laughs) Madden NFL NFL 21 uh, comes to PS4. A new generation is leaving its mark in the NFL. Will you rise to the occasion? Change the
3: game and take control of your own legacy. This is a football game. It's a football game. This game's getting beat to shit. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, really? What? Yeah, it's like getting really bad reviews. I think it's got like a six or something on Metacritic. What the hell? Really? Yeah. Is that that's not usual, is it? No, it's not. And I've been just watching a bunch of GIFs and um, like videos that people have been transmitting, and and it's just fucking whacked out, man. It's totally broken. It's funny as hell. Gonna be skipping it this year. Mask of Mists comes to PS4. Mask of Mists is an action-adventure game in a first-person view in which you are immersed in exploring the world full of magic and secrets. In this game, you are a mercenary who was assigned to find a missing person. One of the archmages of the academy broke the communication when he was conducting his research in the depths of the infected territory. At one time, this area had been exposed to the monstrous amounts of magic, and it is now filled with creatures of the abyss. Go on the trail of the missing Archmage and plunge into the atmosphere of an adventure full of magic and dangers. You can tell this was not written by an English speaker. Yeah. Sounds very Eastern European, but uh, nonetheless, Mask of Mists on PS4. Yeah. I'm always down for a nice abyss. No, who isn't? It's my whole life is an abyss. So why not? (laughs) Fuck
4: it. Nexomon Extinction comes to PS4. Nexomon Extinction is a return to classic monster-catching games, complete with a brand-new story, eccentric characters, and over 300 unique Nexomon to trap and tame. The world is on the brink of extinction as mighty tyrant Nexomon fight for dominion over humans and monsters. Join, uh, join the Tamers Guild and begin an epic journey to restore balance before all hope is lost so it it looks like it looks like pokemon just like is its own genre at this point because there was
3: that other game like temtem or whatever yeah it's like super similar it's like "Eh, that's i just like the mon thing at the end like monster and how they just no one just tries you know digimon and all it's like can we come up with a different name than something mon yeah i mean
4: what would you uh yeah i'm already i'm already out of ideas
3: you know as far as like thinking of something else to call it yeah what am i talking about it's a great name all right <laughs> police stories comes out on ps4 couldn't be a moment soon too soon for this one <laughs>
4: yeah great. Timing.
3: unforgiving intense each mission tells a story of two police operatives john rhymes and rick jones filled with an filled with infiltrating gang <laughs> hideouts rescuing hostages making arrests and other life-threatening situations
4: uh. <laughs> john rhymes and rick jones <laughs> 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 oh man great timing um <laughs> the
3: road to what? Road to Gu- Guangdong? Gu- road to Guangdong. This is one of the Chinese games actually that they Oh
4: are, Road to Guangdong. Alright. Yeah. Uh comes to PS4. Penned by acclaimed author Yen <sighs> <laughs> I I do, I do it's it. all vowels. What do you do with that? <laughs> Penned by acclaimed author Yen Ui, uh, Road to Guang, Guangdong is a beautiful story-focused Zen driving experience. Oh. Drive your beloved family car through n- 90s China. God, part, of, part of awful. Intera- <laughs> part interactive story, part Zen driving experience. You play Sunny. In the wake of a family tragedy, you set out on a quest that will take you across 1990s Guangdong on a, on a mission to revive their struggling family restaurant, Sunny and Gu Ma must uh, visit long lost relatives in search of secrets that will bring diners flooding back. But it won't be easy. I swear to God, I just I, I I've never read much Chinese anything, so I, I don't even know like the like how to say a lot of this. No, so I don't, I don't that's, either. But that's cool. Like uh, that we're getting like a. I, I thought it was just funny because like '90s China made it sound like it was like. Like uh, like like every other game that's like, oh, it's like back to the appeal of 90s action games. It almost felt You're like right. a nostalgic like, oh, don't you miss
3: 90s China? Don't you miss starving to death? It was great. <laughs> don't you miss Tiananmen Square? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Roomm- <laughs> roommates comes to PS4 plays either Rock God Max or Book Smart Ann as they make their way through the first year of their college experience between bitter tenured professors and a ridiculously distracting student body. I like that double entendre. It's going to take everything they've got just to make it to year two. They'll share their dorm life with four other tenants as they pick their class load pick their jobs and maybe even pick someone to have a little extracurricular fun with very good write-up yeah that is a good one yeah Shing comes to PS4 experience the most
4: exciting and immersive beat-'em-up combat system ever become a become a kick-ass ninja and slice some demons in style join a band of wise cracking warriors in a bloody adventure
3: through the land of mythical monsters and mysterious machines sushi break head- to-head comes to PS4 Sushi Break Head-to-Head is a retro arcade game that lets one and two players play head-to-head in a competitive arcade environment. Unique animated sushi tumble down towards the user's paddle along with sushi mini-bosses and sushi power-ups. Collect sushi power-ups as you progress through the levels and defeat your opponent. 30 sushi levels to complete, or I'm sorry, to compete in and battle mini-bosses on your way to victory in single-player and two-player modes. Horrible write-up.
4: Yeah. It did make me hungry, though.
3: Mm, I don't like sushi, It it
4: did sell me on possibly getting some sushi in a little bit. Oh. Fair enough. Uh, Task Force Campus with a K, uh, comes to Vita, uh, drawing inspiration from the golden age of Japanese shumps. There it is. Uh, yeah, shoot 'em ups. Task Force Campus combines retro action with modern conventions, adding new mechanics and randomly generated stages with handcrafted bosses. In a unique twist, the game can be finished, but skilled players will find a way to continue past the ending and claim even higher scores. Rhythmic, game, uh, rhythmic gameplay and, pul- and a pulsing soundtrack work together to create an intense audiovisual experience. This sounds kind of neat. Yeah, it does. Anything that's rhythmic to me, like a- anything that has any kind of rhythm game mechanic built into it, I'm usually kind of like inherently intrigued because I just... You're there
3: for it. I really in, like you're that, in, that stuff. You're into it. Yeah. Finally, WRC 9 FIA World Rally Championship comes to PS4. WRC 9 or World Rally Championship 9 is the leading off-road simulation franchise endorsed by the world's top drivers. It is the most in-depth rally game on the market. Three new rallies, Kenya, Japan, and New Zealand. Over 15 classic cars and 100 special stages Special stages to tackle. WRC 9 has new game modes specifically designed for the community, including, including a club system where each player can create their own championship and compete in it online with the rest of the world. Take control of all official drivers and cars in three WRC categories with improved physics for even greater realism. Redesigned environments and all new pace notes for total immersion i think we discussed this a while ago but wrc used to be a playstation exclusive
4: so so is this like a nascar thing or is this just like rally cars
3: yeah i think it's a european racing series and uh uh, evolution studios which doesn't exist anymore but sony owned they made drive club and then they shut down used to create these games before they created MotorStorm. that's where they began so look at that yeah so a little bit of uh a little bit of genetics there for you guys all right, Chris, tradition dictates. We end each episode of our show with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. You guys can submit them on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins like you always do. Hmm. Cody Horn wrote into us and said, hey, gents, this week, several members of games media have floated the idea that Sony should delay the PS5 due to the various issues we're facing. They cited COVID-19 turmoil in the industry and even Trump as examples of said turmoil. They just don't feel good about the launch. To me, this seems like an argument completely devoid of any rudimentary understanding of the tech market. Tech is consistently losing its value due to newer and faster machines being developed daily. Holding a system from launching only lessens its value in this competitive space. If Samsung decided to postpone their launch of their new Galaxy line of phones for a year, they would get crushed when it was released if they wanted to sell at their original price because the tech couldn't compete with the new machines on the market. Not to mention third-party devs who have designed their financials around releases this holiday would be greatly damaged. Simply put, there is no way Sony is holding the console back this fall. Mediocre sales are not to do so would cause massive damage to the industry. And Sony isn't risking that because a small group of writers don't have fuzzy feelings for this holiday launch. How can tech journalists not understand the basics of the industry they cover? Cody, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think this is a phone from Samsung. It's a console that's going to last for a long time. So I don't think holding it back is necessarily technologically devastating, but it's clear that they're not going to do that. They keep reiterating that the things coming out this year. Do you think there's any compelling argument Chris to hold these consoles back or to at least hold PlayStation 5 back at this point?
4: Well, he, here's the thing, like I think I, I think he's right in some ways that yeah, like if you release a console like 6 months late, it's it's already like kind of way behind and it's going to feel like, you know, it, it, it would feel kind of like a weird situation where like, oh, you could have just launched you could have had your planned... Mach- you could have launched your machine at this delayed time and actually had time to make your, your machine a little bit stronger, actually. You know, it, it, so it would almost feel like a missed opportunity in some ways. But I do think that they're not going to push it just because... Mainly because of the third-party support and because a lot of other studios and a lot of other publishers uh, are kind of riding on a specific launch. And, you know, if that means soft sales, then that means soft sales. But, you know... The reason why people are talking about this at all, and the reason why people are floating around this idea that oh maybe they should push it, I don't think it's because people don't feel fuzzy about the launch. I, I think it's because we have so little information, and it's uncharacteristic. And and like all, and Microsoft and and Sony have been uncharacteristically shy about like pricing and pre order details, and like all this stuff that we would have had for months already, and it makes it seem to us like they're not ready. So, if you're looking at it from that angle, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you're not ready, then just push it and just save us the trouble of, like, waiting in anticipation for all this time. You, you know, I feel like that's I feel like that's where people are coming from. I don't think it's like a, oh, what a realistic thing to do to push a console and delay all these third-party games that, like, have uh, been in development and have been pushed for launch on this specific launch day. I don't think people are looking at it from that angle.
3: Yeah, it's... It is a valuable angle to look at it because there, it is a domino effect. And it's yeah, it's that's not going to be good. And so that, that is useful. I feel like. We're getting telegraphed that there's going to be a real supply constraint with this console and it yeah. sucks. It's already making me nervous, actually. Yeah, and I hate I just, it. I, yeah. Like I, I know that I, I don't know, but I feel like I'm going to have to go and, and get this thing scalped, you know, at some point. And I don't want to do that, but I'll have to do it because that's that's our business. But yeah, I just think that they just keep reiterating it's coming out. Microsoft did say something like that they've made almost a million Xbox Series Xs already, so they're they are ramping up. But this is not enough consoles, and I feel like the whole pre order thing through Sony thing is just a it's a red it's um it's a canary in the coal mine how this is gonna go. I'd love to be wrong about this, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to be.
4: Yeah, but people, I, I think people are just talking about it because there just seems to be a lack of confidence on the manufacturer's part that this thing is even coming out this year at all like they keep they keep saying it is but like we have so little information to go off of that it's it's not really all that surprising that people are like oh maybe we
3: should just like push this later because it, it seems like they're just not ready we're gonna find out maybe we won't maybe we'll never find out it would be funny if they just went all of this year without ever saying anything about ps5 <laughs> new year's and we still don't know yeah exactly it's like all right still coming out this year toast nine comes out and or it's come out comes out wrote in said hey <laughs> I got to ask what's going on with 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. This is the first game we've seen from VanillaWare since 2013's Dragon Crown, and it's getting little to no coverage by any of the gaming press as it will be releasing in a few weeks. As a weekly listener to Sacred Symbols, I haven't heard much discussion of this PS4 exclusive on the show, which is odd considering Colin's affinity for the studio. That is odd, isn't it? Chris, are you a Vanilla VanillaWare fan? Are you familiar with them at all?
4: Uh, I'm familiar with Dragon's Crown because I remember like a lot of people flipped out
3: about it. Uh, when yes, it came they out. did. They did. I love Dragon's Crown.
4: Yeah, but I've never played it or like I I don't know anything about it other than what it looks like.
3: Yeah. Dragon's Crown is a brawler. It's awesome. It's a really, really beautiful game. It was for people that didn't play it. It was controversial in some circles because it is incredibly sexualized. Uh, The women are really sexualized in the game, but that's just the art style of a lot of their games. Um, George Kamatani is the guy that does all that stuff. And So it has been a while. So the reason that I think that 13 Sentinels isn't being talked about very much is twofold. I think, number one, there's just there are just way too many games coming out that are of the smaller variety, especially out of Japan. But I also think that the situation is different than when Dragon's Crown came to PS3 and Vita in 2013, because. That game and I think Atlas, Atlas is the publisher of the game's. I think their reaction to it, basically just kind of ignoring and, and poo pooing it away, has offended the the righteous games about uh, a games public. Um, I'm sorry, games media, and I don't think that they're talking about it possibly for that reason as well. Now, Thirteen Sentinels is also a r- real time strategy game. It's not anything like they've really made before, and so I think that also might have something to do with it. Dragon's Crown. Which was its previous game? Like we said, was a brawler. Grand, Knight His- Grand Knight's history was the game they did before that. That was a PSP RPG. Um, before that, they did Muramasa, which is a wonderful side scroller, beautiful game that also came to Vita later on. And then, of course, they really began, at least in the West, as we know them, with Grim Grimoire and Odin Sphere, which are both on PS2. And I think I don't think Grim Grimoire has been ported, but Odin Sphere has been ported off of PS2. So. I don't know why people aren't talking about it. I'm excited to play it. It did come out in Japan last year. VanillaWare is a really small team. There's fewer than 25 people on the team. Oh, so, wow. I think, so I think it takes them a long time to make their games. And they're also stunningly beautiful games. But I'll play it when it comes out in the States. I think it comes out next month. Well, actually, in a couple of weeks. So I'll certainly pick it up. I'm happy to buy it. And I'll let you guys know what I think about it. But it's very different. And so I'm not really that excited about it. I was really excited about Dragon's Crown because I love those kinds of games. This is less so, but I'm open-minded about it. I love Vanillaware, as you said. So keep an ear out, (laughs) Toast9. Misty Rose wrote in, Chris, She says, hey, Colin and Chris, or she says, probably she. First time I'm writing into the show, and I actually have a theory on the PS5 pre-order lottery, since you guys talked about it. What I'm thinking is that the PSN activity they're monitoring to choose people from isn't playtime, but more how many games people have been buying even during the pandemic. Basically, the price is such a kept, is kept secret for now because, as we all know, it's going to be mega expensive. I don't think it's going to be mega expensive, Misty. But they just don't want to come out and say it. They want to test the waters by offering people who are probably in a comfortable enough position to fork over money and figure they won't be too alarmed and will feel so special for being picked, they'll purchase it anyway. Then when everything is released to the public, they'll have pre-order numbers to at least back up the high price tag. I don't think this has anything to do with supply and demand, more so the current economic climate. They obviously don't want to cost studios money by pushing this back, so they want to be careful about its release. Your thoughts? I think Misty's point is thoughtful. I just don't know that it's accurate, Chris. What do you think?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, it's... A, I don't want to say it's like a little bit conspiratorial, but it's definitely like... It's definitely kind of really digging deep into a, a lot of like kind of assumptions as to what this this PSN activity really is going to be. I I really don't know. I think it's possible, but... It's it's frustrating because they're so not transparent about this. And the fact that this is even a thing in the first place is just such a huge red flag to me that I, I don't even know, like what what waters would they really be testing? You know?
3: Yeah, I don't. I, Misty's assumption is that the console is going to be, in her words, mega expensive, but I just don't think it's going to be.
4: You know, honestly, the, the longer they go without telling the price tag, the, the, the more I kind of
3: think that that's probably true. You think so? Because I, I think it's interesting you say that because I think the opposite. I think that if it was going to be expensive, they would have said it already. Because that's going to be really bad for them if they come out literally seven weeks or something before the console comes out, and they're like, "It's six hundred bucks." I know? feel like I feel like they're hoping that you're blown enough away by what they're going to be showing, or like,
4: or, or by the, the kind of sexiness of like a new machine that it's like, "Hey, you know, this is a luxury machine. This is like limited time. You know, like you, not anybody can get a hand hand uh, can get a hand on this, and it's a luxury bit of kit, and we're just going to not give you much time to think about it." You know, we kind of want them there to be kind of like this artificial inflation of demand. So it's like, oh, man, well, we I know it's like six hundred dollars, but I got to get my hands on this because there's only so many.
3: Right. Right.
4: I feel like if it was cheap, they would have. Here's my 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 rationale is like if it was cheap or on the cheaper side, then they would have had the price already because they would have felt confident Mm -hmm. in how cheap it is and Mm -hmm. how like competitive the price would be and that they could successfully put that price out without worrying about what Microsoft is going to do. But I think the reason why both of them are playing Koi is because they know that both of these machines are very expensive.
3: Yeah, we'll see. I'm, st- I'm sticking with my $499.99 USD guess, which I don't think is prohibitively expensive at all. Yeah. Compared to the, the cost of other previous PlayStation consoles. We will find out, Misty. Thank you for writing into us. Giovanni Diamito wrote in and said, Hey guys, assuming I can secure a pre-order, I am 100% planning on getting a PS5 at launch. However, as we get closer and closer to November, I'm starting to worry about the quality that I can expect from launch window games. Given development challenges during COVID this year and given how little we've seen, I don't necessarily expect rushed or buggy launch games, but I do wonder if we'll see some negative effects from a lack of or or unorthodox QA testing. And actually, I worry about hardware issues with the console for the same reason. It'd be a real nightmare if PS5 launches to a red ring of death scenario. Yet another COVID casualty. Chris, are you feeling confident? about the launch window game quality overall or do you think we're going to see some suffering because he does make a good point that you want to get out at launch it's a great place to be it's a really really great place to be but if you rush that game you might have a lower quality i hadn't really thought about it too much i'm not super worried about this but i wonder if you are
4: yeah i can't i can't say that i'm all that concerned about it. i think i think the machine i think we've had a long enough conscious history in console manufacturing and, and release windows and You know, how all this stuff really plays into how the audience will receive something that I find it really difficult to believe that either of these machines are going to launch with a red ring of death. I find it hard to believe that either of these machines are going to launch with first party uh, games or exclusive games or, um, you know, just launch window games that are going to be inherently broken upon release. I I think, you know, they're definitely going to vary in quality, but I don't think we're going to see anything that's monumentally broken. I hope so. I hope that's the case.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Bart Jacasa, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to No, I just said ideally. Time. Ideally, oh, okay. Case. Gotcha. Bart Jacasa wrote in and said, Hey, CNC, do you put any weight to former Sony London developer Mike Rouse stating on his YouTube channel that he heard from his contacts at the studio that something is in the works related to the getaway? Add that with a report from last year that Sony London was hiring for a new AAA project. Is the return to the getaway actually possible? I personally never played the getaway games, but to see Sony return to the franchise would be very interesting to see as it will arguably be Sony London's first big project in a long time. Anyway, take care, guys, and be well. Chris, were you a getaway fan? Did you ever play the game? No. No, I I remember seeing a trailer for it, I think. Yeah, so this game, the interesting thing about the getaway is it came out in North America really early in 2003. It actually came out in Europe first earlier or later in 2002 created by uh, an internal Sony London team, like a sub team called Team Soho that doesn't exist anymore. And Team Soho, their actually last game was the Getaway that they did together. The Getaway was launched at a really interesting time because it was kind of supposed to be like Grand Theft Auto, but it's actually just, it looks like a Grand Theft Auto game, but it's really more linear than that. And it was created at the time when Guy Ritchie style films like Snatch and Lockstock were really big. So it's like British gangsters in this kind of pseudo open world London. And it's really it's a really great game. And then they did a sequel on PS4. uh, I'm sorry, on PS2 that launched in 2004 and uh, early 2005 in North America called Black Monday. That was a Sony London proper game. And then people will remember that Sony London was teasing and working on and they did release some footage of, I think, or screenshots of a getaway game they were making for PS3 that was canceled. I was of the mind that there was a lot of value in the getaway for many years. And I think that they've squandered that value because now there are so many open world games that it doesn't stick out at all anymore. And that's too bad. But that's a case of them waiting too long to get back to the getaway. And I don't know why they waited so long, but I really, really liked the getaway. And I think it was because I was really and I am really into Guy Ritchie movies and I love British gangsters and I just I think that whole shit is so interesting but I highly recommend people play the getaway it's just a really well produced game I think people were a little let down that you couldn't drive around and really see it like GTA 3 because this game came out uh, to put it into context this game came out in between GTA 3 and GTA Vice City so it was that kind of sweet spot right there and um, I highly recommend people go check it out it's uh, really interesting but I don't know why they never returned to it, and I think that the time for them to do so has passed, personally. Yeah. All right, Chris. Finally, Quentin Propes wrote into us. Ooh. said, Colin, Chris, I hope this message finds you gentlemen well. A simple question, really, but I I thought I'd ask. Insomniac still post constantly about the Resistance franchise. Do you think we're getting a Resistance-related announcement soon? Surely they are just about done with Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. One can only assume that Spider-Man 2, whatever it will be called in the end, is under development. But they have to be working on something else, right? Best of wishes to you, too. Thanks for the constant content. It's a pleasure to listen to both of you. Thank you, Quentin. I appreciate that. This resistance shit is starting to get on my nerves. Not Quentin's uh, post, but that insomniac just won't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And it's actually bot It's actually I'm not even being facetious. It's bothering me because I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like. If you're going to tease yeah. it, then tease it and get this thing out. But the, the constant pictures of the fucking chi- uh, the chimera and Nathan Hale and all this stuff, it's getting old and my assumption is that they must be teasing something because if they're not then it's literally insane
4: yeah yeah it would be it would be hypothetically speaking it would be pretty egregiously annoying to constantly tease a beloved ip and then just not really have anything to show for it for several years on end i can't imagine what that would be like but uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> it, yeah it would it would be i i i mean i was saying this not uh not too long ago like the last time we brought up Resistance, I think on this show we were just—I was talking about how like it's it's the little—it's frustrating that they're teasing this, and it doesn't seem
3: like anything's really happening. You have to assume if they're going to make a new Resistance game, which I think is possible, that they have to release the first three uh, on PS4. PS, excuse me, PS5 first. Yeah, no, they
4: absolutely have to. Especially because like the only—it's—it's it's really weird to me that the only the only Resistance game that you can play on uh, PlayStation Now is Resistance Three. Like you can't play the first two. Which is, so, so this series, for all intents and purposes, is just completely absent from this generation,
3: which makes it even more frustrating that they're teasing it so much. Yeah, I agree. It's it's actually, we're pretty much in the, I think, in the next couple of weeks, it's, it was nine years ago that Resistance 3 came out. And Resistance 3 is a really great game. It's a really, really great game. It's like one of the great shooters, I think, of all time. And it's it it's funny because Resistance Fall of Man, the first one, is not even trophy-enabled, so And that was a launch game on PS3, so that's how old it is, and it looks like shit. But they could do something with these games, and I think that they have to compile them before they would v- explore Resistance again. Now, I'm, they were going to do a, res- a fourth Resistance game many years ago. That was the plan before Resistance 3 even came out. And I won't talk more about that, but hopefully they'll get into... Some knowledge of what they're going to do with this. And hopefully, the teasing isn't just for nothing because people really do love Resistance. It wasn't as beloved as some other franchises from that generation, but, and even Killzone was more popular than Resistance. But I think Resistance, because of its storytelling chops, has more of a future and more of a, uh, a positive trajectory for Sony um, and Insomniac than, say, Gorilla going back to Killzone. Although I think we'll get Killzone again as well. And is story is really cool too. It's actually kind of fucked up, uh, Killzone's story. But, uh, it's a it's actually really fucked up when I was playing Resistance Mercenary I was like oh, I totally forgot that this is like what this is about this screwed up civil war where these people are like cast off to this planet where they have to wear breathing apparatuses and shit it's pretty interesting but um, yeah. perhaps not in the right hands anymore so Chris and I both want more Resistance Quentin and I think that you will get it first in the trilogy re-release which I think is what they're teasing I don't know when they're going to announce it though it would be cool if it was a PS4 game though yeah And then you could just play it on PS5 if you want. Yeah, I I think that'd be the smart thing to do. And Fall of Man getting trophies would be huge as well. And Resistance 2 has one of the worst trophies ever, which is a 10. You have to get 10,000 online kills to get a gold trophy in that game. That's kind of annoying. 10,000. And it's also shut off, so it's just unattainable now as well.
4: Yeah, that's that's kind of the infuriating thing about those kinds of trophies is that like that doesn't even sound really all that hard, but like multiplayer games have a shelf life inherently. So, you know, there's going to be a point where you just you cannot even hope to get it again.
3: Yep. And that was when they shut the servers off for the game. So and didn't return the multiplayer for three, which I thought was wise. So we'll see what happens with resistance. But yes, we are keeping an eye out on that obnoxious insomniac Twitter account, and we will hopefully have more to say about that soon, along with a bunch of other things. But that's all we have for this episode of Sacred Symbols, Chris. Oh, yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for joining me today. Of course. Man. You. Thank you all out there for your love and kindness and support of our show. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon and on free feeds. We appreciate all of that as well. And we'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Until then, goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Richmond, Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at chrisrgun and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gun. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Jariah King, Nick DeMarco, Constantine Valencia, Avery Lewandowski, an unofficial controller podcast, Bjorn Campbell, Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Steven Nieder, Ross Maranka, Zach Parsley, Jerome Ferreira, John, Jeremy Shook, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Ben, Azan, Isaac Wasteman, Michael Vecchio, Joey Finelli, SLV the FMA, Ryan T. Mandel, Jorge Palomino, Paul Joyce, Enrique Perez, Don Lee, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, P, Homeworld Hub, Dante Harris, Betty Ann Moriarty, Gavin, Colin Jewell, Nelson LeBlanc, Daniel Johnson, Zach Bonham, Jay Getter, Vexius, Greg Lotta, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Todd Paxton, Darren Gardner, Of Fortuna, Boots, Megadet, Kevin Komaki, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Robbie Hensley, Bloody Fang, Eric Harden, Matt Martin, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Spencer Brand, TB Lightning, Antti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Chris Galvin, Ryan Murdoch, Jesse Owen, Mason Cadillac, Scott Lovelace, Chris Bustin, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naaman, Ryan R. Michael S. Joshua Smallwood, Damon Weathers, Cody Bradbury, Carl Tolman, Richter86, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher Devayo, Donnie Nolan, Patrick Harper, Gerald Pennington, Greg Julefs, Blake Israel, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Connor Gashian, Lawrence F. Prokop, Organic Produce, Toothless Gibbon, James Kinslow III, Tyler Bellow, Mubarak, Alan Tremblay, McDog 18 Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Marius Scarsum peterson Ray Lasia, David Castanez, Throw 7 Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gamer Phil Mahalik, Colin D- Davenport, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Josh Bushing, Dylan Burns, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton Kay, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, William O'Carroll, Phil Crone, Mike Wayne, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Gio Corsi, Justin Wagaman, Chad Lewis, Shane Rayum, John Cordero, Mark Boggio, Keith A. Lewis, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Toby Schutman, Eric Bateman, MadMock Media, and Jonathan Rice.